We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's. Men from Moto. Digital strategies with Travis Sowers and David Seville. Intellect, vast, cool, and unsympathetic. Broadcast to the world with the uncanny help of Mana Deprived and FaceToFaceGames.com. Greetings, people of Earth. We are the Men from Moto, and you're listening to episode 35, Dynamite. My name is David Seville, and I have Travis Sowers on the line with me again this week. How are you, sir? Yar, I'd be doing good, Dave. How about you? Yar, it is talk like a pirate day today, isn't it? It is now. No, I think it actually is the day of recording. I think it's talk like a pirate day today. Wow, what a weird coincidence. Maybe that was yesterday. Either way, it's talk like a pirate week. And coincidentally enough, it is the release pre-release week of Ixlan. So here we are doing our set preview review. I don't know if what you want to call it here, but we're certainly looking at the entire card list, uh, picking out the key ones for today. And we're going to take you through pretty much everything you need to know, hopefully for the pre-release and have a good time. So you did your set review on stream today, so you are all ready to go. I did. I spent about seven and a half hours talking about every single card in the set. If you want a very detailed review, you can go there. It's at twitch.tv slash simulant. It should still be there in the replay, so you can check that out. But I, I like doing these podcasts with Dave where we kind of hit the highlights. Like if you're going to go to a pre-release or just get ready for the release on Magic Online on Monday, hopefully we can get you prepared with a little bit of ammunition for that. So I feel like this is a smaller dose than somebody want, that wants to dive in and hear an entire set review. Yeah, we're going to skip the cards that are not worth talking about. Your two twos for two. We're going to skip the bad rares, the bad mythics that are constructed only. Um, and we're going to skip over some of the average cards. Uh, we might talk about a couple of traps, but we're really we're really trying to hit on the highlights here um, and focusing probably more on the commons and uncommons because there's more of them. But I'm going to kind of, you know, focus on a couple of rares that look really cool and, and bomby or, or fun to play with in the cards that I'm kind of looking forward to playing mostly here. So, um yeah, we're just going to kind of go through here in Wooberg order, talk about some of the gold cards. Probably not going to start with the gold cards because uh, um, the signposts in this set are not necessarily the gold cards, um, but they're more the tribes for the most part. Um, and and I think you'll you'll see that as we go through the set here. It's a very tribal theme set, um, and they did a little something a little different with the the color combinations this time, in at least in terms of um, gold card support. Uh, so we'll, we'll kind of touch on that here as well. Um, anything, I guess, before we jump in, what are you looking forward to in this set? Just looking at the, the mechanics and, and the tribes and the themes of the set, what kind of has your eye, uh, kind of caught before we go into the card by card details here? I mean, when I was four years old, I was digging holes in my parents' backyard looking for dinosaur bones, man. I mean, I imagine most kids were too. This was in Northern Virginia where I was a kid and there was nothing to find there, but I'd be lying if I said I wasn't excited about dinosaurs. I want to play dinosaurs. Pirates, I don't know. I never got excited about pirates. I don't I don't really know why that's a thing. I think it's cool that we've got con- conquistador vampires. That's neat. Um, and the merfolk, I, whatever. I'm excited about dinosaurs. That's what I'm excited about. And after the set review, it, it looks like the power level has been flattened a lot. Like this certainly doesn't look like a very bomb-heavy format. 
And after getting my butt handed to me just over and over and over by gods the last few days, I'm really excited about that. Really excited for things that are not indestructible and now we just have hexproof to deal with? Yeah, yeah. Uh, sign me up. I, I can at least do something about that. Maybe I can block it. Um, what 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 tribe has you excited? Um, I think the dinosaur tribe is, is probably scratching an itch that uh, hasn't been scratched in a while. Um, I like the big creatures, and I think Enrage is a really cool mechanic. I look forward to um, trying to exploit as much Enrage as I can. Um, so whipping my dinosaurs into doing my bidding. Um, but like one of the one of the things that I dream of at the pre-release is um, dual shot on a couple of uh, the enraged dinosaurs that bring a land into play. Or, for example, um, fighting a dinosaur with enrage. I think uh, there's there's some pretty cool opportunities there. I think what I'm looking forward to the most is, though, is there's a, a few cards in this set that are um, throwbacks to powerful cards from the past. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are the transforming... Um, artifacts and transforming um enchantments and there's the one that like turns into a land that taps for three of any color um so it's kind of like a throwback to like a gilded lotus type thing um there's what's the guy's cradle variant there's a guy's cradle yeah that looks really cool i mean it's a lot of hoops to jump through with them but i think it has a you know people maybe a little bit excited because it feels like it feels like cards from the past uh back when magic maybe was a little more powerful um there's the the counter spell uh, that was a spell pierce but with uh if you have a pirate um oh so it's, it's a mana so leak it's like, it's a, it's a sorry it's a mana leak um but if you have a pirate it actually costs the same as a mana leak um think things like that right so like i'm really cool to see that because i didn't get to play in that kind of time of magic and i, and I kind of look forward to um at least the, the throwbacks to that so there's some there's some cool things i'm looking forward to um some of the re- returning mechanics vehicles and raid uh, I was a big fan of Raid and the cons block. Um, vehicles don't look like they're nearly as pushed in this set as they were in um, Kaladesh block, but Huzzah. I still enjoy. I still enjoy the vehicles. Um, like the reverse equipment, I think is is kind of neat. Um, and then, yeah, I just look forward to drafting um, synergies. There's there looks like there's a lot of kind of cool synergies that you can build that aren't necessarily explicit. You know, like right on the card. You know, for example, like shooting your own creatures with enrage and things like that. Um, that I, that I look forward to building. So, well, cool. I think we're both most excited about dinosaurs because that's obviously the coolest thing here. But we can we can still play with the rest of it sometimes too. I'm not going to open dinosaurs every sealed pool. I'll just hope that I do. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I guess probably just jump right in. Um, do you want to just start with white, or do you want to touch on the mechanics first? Let's jump into white. We'll talk about the mechanics when we get to them. Okay, um, I think we're just going to go down in alphabetical order, just like they're listed in the spoiler, and we're just going to pick out cards that um, that we want to talk about and and touch on. If there's any that we miss as we're going through here, like uh, Travis, if there's anything that I miss as we're going through or vice versa, I think we can just bring it up and, and go back to it. But um, the first one that I want to talk about is uh, a Danto Vanguard, which is a weird card. It's a one, a one, one for one and a white. It's a vampire, which is key. Obviously, you got to remember that you... Uh, the tribes are important in some cases here. So it's a 1-1 one, one, that sucks. But as long as it's attacking, it's a 3-1. So it's a bit of a strange card. 1-1 one, one on defense, 3-1 on attacking. And you can pay for life to give it indestructible. So you might think that that's a large cost. Um, but there's a lot of incidental life gain and lifelink in white. And so, um, you know, you're building your own Oketra's Avenger, basically, is, is what um, is what you're doing here at the cost of 4 life. But 
early in the game, that threat of activation might be enough um, to get this through for a couple of points of damage. Um, you know, maybe six points of damage. Maybe nine. Um, maybe nine even. And then when you when you are ready to trade it off, you don't have to pay the four life and give it indestructible if you can't. Um, if you're happy with that trade, or maybe it's going to get blanked on a later turn or something like that. So it's not four life every time you attack. It's probably like four life once, and only when it's a favorable trade for you. Yeah, be aware there there are some ways to deal with a one one through indestructible in this set. Like there's a black card for one mana that gives something minus one minus one that looks main deckable. And I, I think building your own Oketra's Avenger is a big deal here. That, like using the four life, you would only do that if you're attacking and they block it with something that it would kill. Like it's kind of what you're doing. It does say to your opponent, you need to get a four toughness creature in play. And after looking at the creature stats, it looks like four toughness is kind of the magic number. Like a four, four is kind of king in this format from what we can see aside from some dinosaurs in green. So I think this card is fine. Um, it, it's uncommon. I, I don't think the world would have been over if this was a common. We just have a much more aggressive decks. But uh, yeah, this this is a fine card. Yeah, note that tokens will shut this down entirely. Not entirely, but like you're not going to pay for life to give this thing indestructible to kill a 1-1 token. No. Nah. So. And you're not blocking with it. Like They need to be attacking with at least a 5-5 for you to block with this and pay for life. And even then you're only preventing one damage. And there's not that many 5-5s. True story. I actually wasn't super hot on this card. I think it's okay. I think it'll be better than okay, I think. We'll see. We'll see. We will see. All right. All right. What do you have that's next up that's high on your list? High on my list? I actually think the uncommon uh, Duskborn Sky Marcher is worth a nod. Mm. I this is the... Yeah, go for it. This is uh, white for a 1-1 flying vampire cleric. You can spend white, tap it, target attacking vampire, gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. I've played with a variant of this card called Infantry Veteran. Uh, it was like in Mirage Block. And we've seen various versions of this card in the past as well. This one's a little harder to make work. And that... It has to be a vampire that you're targeting. So this deck wants you to have a lot of vampires. It's actually one of relatively few vampire payoffs at Uncommon, but this is one I'm willing to work for. If your opponent has a 3-3 and you have a pair of grizzly bears that happen to be vampires, you can attack with both of them and still get in the damage from this guy too, whether they block or not. So it's something that just kind of makes combat a nightmare for your opponent. In addition, it's a one-mana 1-1 flyer which means that it'll trigger raid if you happen to have any black cards in your deck that care about that or from any other color. So like, I feel like this is doing a lot at a relatively low cost and I would be happy to include this in my deck if I have at least, I don't know, six, seven vampires. And the more you get from there, the merrier. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of vampires. So um, I found a, uh, like a tribe counting or a a tribe count sheet on Reddit the other day. And um, there are, just a rough count here. It looks like 20 vampires, uh, a heavy number of which are at common and uncommon. So there's 11, 18, it looks like. Oh, wow. There's even more than 20. I can't do my math here. Math is hard. 20, 22 vampires, and that's including rares and mythics. So uh, 16 at common and uncommon. So that's a lot of vampires. If you just have one of these randomly and you just blind pick black and white cards for the rest of the draft you probably have a good number of vampires just randomly. Yeah. And I would pick this over the, the Oketra's Avenger vampire e- easily 
Now, part of that is I've played with this card or, or a variant of it, and I've seen what this does to combat math for your opponent, and I'm very excited for that. The other card, like I'm comparing it to Elketra's Avenger, but clearly it's better. Avenger was only attacking every other turn. That's attacking every turn. And like you don't have to activate it, as you mentioned. So that that may be better than I'm giving it credit for. But this one stands out to me as I want to play with this card. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think you skipped over one that I'm excited to play, and that's the Bellowing Aegisur, which is a six mana, a five and a white for a three five dinosaur. Um, It's got Enrage. And whenever it it takes damage, which is what Enrage is, um, everything else on your side of the field gets a plus one, plus one counter. So if it's by itself, it's not that great. Uh, three five for six is you know pretty below curve but um man even just being able to get a couple of plus one plus one counters off this thing could be huge and if your opponent makes the mistake of attacking with a first strike creature into this let's say um (laughs) pumping the rest of your team before the second phase of the combat damage happens um you might be able to get them with that so there's some potential here you could um you know you could hit your um you know you could hit this with a with a damage spell like an instant speed damage spell you know, in combat or or when you're blocking or even when you're attacking to pump your team if you're wide enough. There's all sorts of fun things I think you can do with this. And I think this will be a staple in uh, in an enraged theme deck, assuming you can go a little bit wide with it. Yeah, it kind of wants to go wide and go big, which is a little bit of an odd spot to be in. I like the card. The six mana has me a little bit gun shy because like I'm getting six mana six sixes in green um, and, and by itself, it doesn't do a lot. Uh, but as you mentioned, there's some cool ways to interact with this. Um, we've also got the Dino War Elf in white. That's another card that I, I thought we should talk about. And I could see ramping it out with that potentially. And then it gives you a body to put a counter on. So like I can see some synergies here. I still like the Sky Marcher better. <laughs> it's a good fight target. It's a great fight target. My goodness, it's a great fight target. All right. What do you got next on your list? Um, next on this list, I think would be the glorifier of dusk at uncommon, uh, three white, white for a four, four vampire soldier. You may pay two life to give it flying until end of turn, pay two life to give it vigilance until end of turn. If, if it's creature type was herpaderp, this would still be absolutely great, right? Like I, I think based on the stats that I've looked at, Zombub, a stream viewer was kind enough to basically, make us this glorious chart of the power and toughness of all of the creatures in this format. And I really think a four, four is, is a big body in this format outside of dinosaurs, right? Mm -hmm. So this, this thing is already pretty darn big. I can give it whichever ability is more relevant. If we're racing, I can give it vigilance and all of a sudden you can't attack back into it. If I just want to hit you in the face and you've got ground blockers, I can spend two to deal you four. Now, it, it does also kind of connect with the vampire sub theme and that a lot of the vampires have lifelink. So you may have some life to play with, but even if you don't, the card's just great on its own. I, I think this one's pretty darn good. Yeah. I think a lot of the time you're not paying for life to turn this into a Sari angel. Um, but the fact that you could, I think is good. So I think what you need to do is you need to make the decision of like, um, do I want to give this vigilance to prevent maybe three damage coming back the other way? In which case then, yeah, you probably want to pay two. Um, and then do you want it? Can my opponent block this? So do I want to give this flying? And I think there will be cases where the answer is yes to both of those questions. But I don't think it's like, don't look at this as paying for life like the 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 three, the one one indestructible, the three one indestructible that we first talked about here. Um, this is probably more like you're paying two life of turn, I think. Um, but I, I would think every time you're attacking with this, you're probably you're probably activating one of these modes. I would say most of the time. 
Yeah, there may be other times where your opponent has a 3-3 and you want to hit them with this and then like don't care if they attack back because then they're not mm-hmm. double blocking this. So like there'll be mm-hmm. times where you just trade for, you know, it, it, rather than give it vigilance, just shove it in there. That's fine too. But it's a good mm-hmm. card. Um, or you could just play the Imperial Aerosaur uh, and give this flying without paying life. <laughs> uh, this is a three and a white for a 3-3 flying dinosaur, which is pretty decent. I mean, flying dinosaurs, man, the art on these things. I know you can't see the art on the podcast, but like, my goodness, some of the art in this set is is amazing. Very colorful, which is, I guess we didn't really get that in Amoket. I guess we had a, a bit in Kaladesh, but this is surprisingly colorful, This this uh, these colors so far, the, these artworks. Um, anyway, when this, when Imperial Aerosaur enters the battlefield, another target creature you can control gets plus one, plus one and gains flying until end of turn. Like, sold. Jump something, hit your opponent in the face for four damage, and then hit him again for three next turn. Um, I think this would be probably a high pickup in white. Um, I'd be happy to play a couple of these easy in a deck, I think. Yeah, I again, looking at the stat sheet, I think Hill Giants are going to be just fine. This is a flying one that may deal some damage to your opponent when it comes into play, uh, especially if you're able to play it and launch something that didn't have a good attack and get some value out of a creature that was still kind of left there. This thing looks great. Dino, dino yeah. me up. <laughs> um, Ixlan's Binding is the kind of O-ring of the set. So uh, three and a white for an enchantment. When uh, it enters the battlefield, you get to exile non-land permanent. Uh, so it deals with planeswalkers. Uh, and opponent controls. Can't exile your own stuff. Um, and then uh, your opponents cast can't cast spells with the same name as the exiled card, which is probably not relevant. When it is relevant, it's probably annoying as all heck. Um, and where it's really annoying is probably in two-headed giant, I would hope. But I guess your opponents probably aren't sharing colors into it a giant, so maybe not so much. But um, yeah, I mean, four mana O ring is totally great. Four mana O ring is totally great. It's not functionally different from the four mana pacifism that we'll get to a little bit later. Like the fact, don't let the fact that it's uncommon and has some neat flavor text that may come up once in ten games of limited convince you that this is like way better than the four mana pacifism because I don't think it is. But it's it's cast out without cycling, and I, I mean, how often did you cast? Did you cycle cast out? We also missed the flash. So like there's a little bit of a, a poke here, but that said, this is a very good removal spell and why it deals with anything. I think this is better than the pacifism because of the non-land permanent because the pacifism is only creatures, right? Yeah. I'm just scrolling down here. So like being able to deal with your opponent's, you know, vehicle, maybe that you can't beat otherwise or um, planeswalker. Like I said, there are some enchantments um, like uh, not auras, but just regular enchantments that are very good that you might want to exile. So um I think you pick this over the passivism, but you're happy to play both. Yeah, yeah. And, and what I meant is most of the time when you're casting this, you're going to get a creature. But I agree, you know, one out of ten times or whatever, you're getting a vehicle, you're getting an enchantment, mm-hmm. you're getting an artifact. And say, so, you know, one out of 20, you're getting a planeswalker. But I, I think normally this is about, in, in most games of limited, this is a way to kill a creature. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about the, what, what do we call it, the Dino War Elves? Yeah, I'm calling this the Dino War Elves. Uh, Kinjali's Caller is the actual name of the card. It's one for a 0-3 human cleric in white. Dinosaur spells cost you one less to cast. So this is essentially a Lanawar elf that can block as long as you have enough dinosaurs in white. And there's a surprising number of two-powered creatures in the format. Now, not all of them are, are playable, and some of them have evasion. But just the number of two-power creatures in the set is 41. So that's potentially 41 things that you could block with this. 
Now, also, some of them are going to enable raid for other cards. I get it that this isn't a wonderful blocker, but it's serviceable. And your Lana War Elf never really had any impact on combat. So I like the fact that we get a pseudo-relevant body if we're willing to work for it and play the dinosaurs. I also think it's nice that since it only helps dinosaurs, like you can be in white and have your neighbor in white. And as long as they're going after vampires and you're going after um, dinosaurs, you're not really stepping on each other's toes. So this could go in red, white. This could go in um, red, green, probably not so much in, or excuse me, <laughs> this, this could be paired with green or red Probably not so much with black or blue, but I, I think in any of those first two combinations, Naya, basically, you're going to be pretty happy with this card. Mm-hmm. How many dinosaurs do you want before you play this? Like half of your creature base is dinosaurs? Yeah, I, I would say probably seven minimum, which would put about half of my creature base at dinosaurs, and they need to be good ones, right? But like we've already seen Imperial Aerosaur. There's some common dinosaurs in white. Um, there's some pretty good ones, like I mentioned, in red and green. I, I don't think I'm taking this super early, but I think once I'm in dinosaurs, I'm happy to pick a couple up. Yeah, pack two, pack three pick, not pack one, I think. Probably, although you may wheel it. That sounds good. Um, Do you want to talk about Legion's Judgment? Conditional removal spell, two and a white for a sorcery, destroy, destroy target creature with power four or greater. We could reference our charts. Yeah, I, I would probably, after looking at the, the power and toughness here, main deck one of these have a second in my sideboard and then actively be looking to sideboard it out because it, it doesn't do much against the pirate decks, although they may have a target for it. It doesn't do much against the merfolk decks, although they may have a target for it. I mean, the, the picture on this card tells you what this is for. This is for vampires to kill dinosaurs. That's what's happening on the card. And that's why you want it. If you're the vampire deck and they're the dinosaur deck, you want this card. This is not your premium white removal. Don't go nuts on this and pick a million of them and don't put three in your sealed deck. But like I said, maybe have one main deck and maybe be looking to bring another one in if it's going to be good and get it the heck out of there if it's not. Mm -hmm. Most decks should have a couple of targets for this that you are like, you know, if this sits dead into your hand until your opponent plays like a bomb dinosaur or, or like some kind of giant creature on the other side of the table, um, you know, four, four with menace or something like that, you'll be happy you had this. Yeah. Um, but you're, you're, you're never, you're never going to remember the dimes when it was in your hand and you never got to cast it because your opponent ran you over with, you know, three threes and two twos all game. So, um, let's see here. Do you want to talk about Maverin fine, 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 Maverin the, fine, the dusk apostle. You want me to talk about this card? Well, I was going to say, do you want to talk about it in general? It's two sure. and a white for a vampire cleric. That is a two, two. And whenever one or more non-token vampires you control attack, create a one-one white vampire token with lifelink. I think we I think there was a good discussion on this on stream on this one, if I remember correctly. There was. There were some people who liked it, and then there was me. Um, <laughs> but you're kind of gonna have to sell me on it. So let, let me say why I, I kind of don't dig it. <clears throat> I, I see the upside. The idea is I play this guy, then I attack with another vampire that I already had in play which is probably needs to be a one drop or a two drop. And I've already seen a one drop vampire that I said I'd pick highly. So like, that's possible. And then I get a free one, one that's pretty cool. And then if I've got attacks next turn, I can get more that that's also pretty cool. If this was a two, three, I think I'd be all, all about it. If it was a three, two, I think I'm good to go. It'd probably have some good attacks anyway. It's the fact that I'm playing a literal scathe zombie 
Like, I honestly think the common next to it is a better version of this effect if that's what you're looking for. Because this one, I, I have to be able to attack to make it work. And I've got to play a scathe zombie in my deck. If if this just came into play with a 1-1 token, I think it'd be pretty good. It kind of doesn't do that. And there's no guarantee that I'm going to get it without suiciding it into my opponent's 2-3. So I'm, I'm kind of off on this. I, I don't think it's terrible and I don't think it's unplayable. But I don't think this is a vampire payoff. Like, when I first read it, I was thinking that you got a vampire for each attacking vampire. And I was like, maybe that's all right. And then I read it again and realized you can only ever get one vampire per turn. So I'm I'm kind of off of the Dusk Apostle. Um, I, I'll, I'll play it in my vampire deck, sure. But it, it's probably like a, I don't know, medium card for me. I think you want it if you have those evasive or pseudo evasive vampires. I think is the only time you want it. Um, so there's a 1-3 flying vampire. There's the Sarah Angel, pseudo Sarah Angel vampire. There's the 3-1 you can give indestructible. There's a Windrake um, in black. I mean, I, I think if you have those or you need those to make this good, I think um, if this is just sitting there, never making a token or making one token and being done, you're right. You'd rather a better card, uh, you know, you maybe rather a, a, a two, three or something like that in, in the slot instead. So um, but I think you can make this work. I think there is a, is a possibility to make this work. You probably just have to work hard. I can buy that. I can buy this with evasive vampires. OK, but you're right. The Paladin of the Bloodstained is probably the real deal. Three and a white for a three two that comes in with a one one uh, lifelink like f- a four three for four mana part of which has lifelink I think is really good. Yeah, it'll attack a little worse. It'll block a little better. But like that seems like a solid card to me. I'm I'm excited to play with Paladin of the Bloodstained. Yeah, and then we've got your your pacifism. Pious interdiction three and a white for an enchant creature enters the battlefield. You gain two life. Enchanted creature can't attack or block. Sold. Sign me up. This is your common premium white removal spell it's at four mana instead of two but i kind of need to get over myself we don't get doom blade and pacifism anymore instead we get this and it gets the job done yeah it's 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 fine i mean it's what you get in white in this set it seems like so so there's a couple of these pacifism effects so this should increase the value of disenchant infects infects effects um which we will see there there be some in, in in this set for sure. There's one in white for sure. There's at least one in green. Um, so just kind of be aware of that. The blow up potential is is very real. Yeah. Um, speaking of payoffs though, how about Pterodon Knight for a payoff in dinosaurs? Uh, a three and a white for a three three that flies when you have a dinosaur. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I'm pretty happy with this one in the dinosaur style deck. I think I'm pretty happy with it too, mainly because I think a hill giant again is going to be a reasonable sized body here. When I say hill giant, I mean four mana three three. One of the original magic cards was a four mana three three named hill giant. You you only have so many slots in your dinos deck for cards that aren't dinos, um, but I could see this being curve filler for that, and I could see it even being playable in a deck that has you know some random dinosaurs in it because you just happen to get some. Um, it's it's going to vary wildly based on whether or not it has flying, but I think the card's fine. I like that it uh, doesn't need to be attacking to have flying. I like they can have flying on defense if you have a dinosaur. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Pretty happy about that. Um, What are some other cards here? So one of the, I think one of the things I wanted to talk about is uh, in white being aware of what how much mana your, your opponent has open, for example, um, and, and maybe they've you know tapped out with all their creatures so they've they alpha striked at you um you know maybe they have two or three creatures and and you didn't have great blocks you let the damage through you plan on hitting them back um there are two cards here at instant speed that can kind of blow you out in white one of them is rallying roar which is two and a white for uh untap and give your team plus one plus one 
so be aware of that one you know turn five turn six your opponent leaves up five mana and you know all their creatures are tapped or something like that and you're like sweet green light and get some damages and play and play a blocker for next turn um and you just might end up without a board next turn um there's also settle the wreckage this is a rare but i think it's something to be aware of here it's uh two white white and it's what what did uh zombub coin it in chat he's he's on fire by the way today um wrath to exile wrath to exile i believe was his yeah. name for this that was pretty good. So exile all attacking creature target player controls. And then that player searches their library for uh basic lands for each, for each creature, not even just non-token for each creature exiled that way. And they go onto the battlefield tapped. Um, so settle the wreckage is a, you know, the, the land is, is definitely a bit of a downside, but I think as the game goes on and, and your opponent's hand becomes more and more empty, you don't care about giving them the land at that point. Um, early on, you might care, um so you 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 might want to be aware of picking your spots but just keep in mind like if you're getting like a four for one off of this one um and you're giving your opponent like four lands or whatever you you probably couldn't do much better with this card in that game um and you might just have to suck it up at that point so be aware of those two kind of instant speed during combat like when you're attacking your opponent um that they could have these things i I default to i will sometimes play around rallying roar I will never play around Settle the Wreckage until I have seen it from my opponent or like their play pattern makes absolutely no sense unless that's exactly what they have. But like, I I feel like people too often try to play around a card they haven't seen from their opponent when it's a rare. That bugs me a little bit, but you're absolutely right. There's two things that can punish you for attacking into a tapped out board on your opponent. These are those two cards. Be aware that they exist so they don't catch you by surprise. I think the reason why I wanted to mention them both together is because by playing around one, you're all you're naturally playing around the other. I think like yeah. if you're playing around rallying war, you're a roar. You're also playing around settle the wreckage because you're probably not attacking with everything, or you're attacking with the things that that uh, you don't want to get ambushed. You're probably not attacking with your whole force in that case. That's why I wanted to mention them both. But you're right, don't play around the rare. But if you play around the uncommon, um, you're accidentally playing around the rare at the same time, which is a bonus. Also, do be aware with rallying roar, like you can't just not attack or block ever because like sometimes when you block, this is going to get you. And then other times when you attack, it's going to get you. So like if, if they're doing that, that thing, maybe don't just line up the easy blocks. Okay. I'll put my three, three on your two, two, or, you know, my two, three on your two, two, my three, four on your three, three. Like you don't have to get set yourself up to get blown out by this card. I I think it's going to get you sometimes when you're not even expecting it. (laughs) That's kind of what the card does. But like, do the math, understand that it's plus one, plus one. It reminds me a lot of Tenacity, uh, mm-hmm. which got a lot of play and was very good. Mm-hmm. This is going to get people more early in the format than lighter. Absolutely. Um, the other one, I think this is the last white card I wanted to talk about, unless we missed anything from your side of the table, is the Steadfast Armasaur. Man, these dinosaurs are so cool. It's a three and a white for a two, three Vigilance. It doesn't have Eternalize, so... Um, you'll remember the last set. What was it? Steadfast Sentinel. That's the one. But uh, it does have the activated ability of one and a white plus tap. Steadfast Armorcer deals damage equal to its toughness to target creature blocking or blocked by it. So you can look at it as it as as almost like a like first strike uh, in a way, but like it is it is it has the ability to deal three damage before any other combat damage is resolved to an attacker or blocker and that just makes blocking and attacking for your opponent impossible if you have one and a white mana open here 
It reminds me in a design space similarly to Ashmouth Hound from original Innistrad. It was a 2-1 for 2 that dealt 1 damage to any creature blocking it, which meant that you really couldn't block it. Like, that's the weakness of Goblin Pikers, right? Is they can be blocked by 1-1 tokens, but this one couldn't be. And that's kind of what's happening here. Um, If dealing damage with toughness is called butt fighting, is this effect called farting? Or is that just too juvenile? But like, No, I think it's... Yeah, <laughs> they can't attack with a three three into your two three, right? And then you can attack right past their three three with it. So I think this guy's pretty cool too. He trades up to things with uh, five toughness. Absolutely, absolutely. Right? It'll do the it'll do the three plus the two that's on top of this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, heaven forbid if uh, you know if if you have a combat trick of any kind here, you know your opponents double block this thing, thinking that they're finally going to get it off the table. Well, like like good night to your opponent there right um there's this thing is going to be very tough to deal with outside of a removal spell it also plays nicely with damage based removal which we have some of in white there's some variants on impeccable timing and then we have some in red and like red white is a natural home for dinosaurs as well there's a red white dino deck so I, i could see it pairing nicely there in case of double blocks as well cards just good yep um quick nod there's a three four flying dinosaur um for Four and a white, Shining Aerosaur card looks like an early reasonable card to me. And it's also worth noting that there is a combat trick in white. Um, it's called Vampire Zeal White. Target creature gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. If it's a vampire, it gets first strike. You don't have to play vampires to, to do that. That's just a good combat trick. So that's kind of like the, the premium combat trick for white that I expect you will see a good bit of. Good stuff. White looks fun. White looks fun. White looks good. And I like that there's multiple strategies supported within it. Okay. Do you want to take us away in blue here? I think we've got your your one of your favorite cards in the set, I bet. <laughs> yeah, just because I'm so old, I've played with it before. Air Elemental, three blue blue for a flying 4-4. Four, four. Creature type, God. Elemental, not relevant. Who cares? It's a 4-4 four, four flyer for five. How many of these will I play? Uh, probably as many as I get past or open. Can I, can I play 12 of them? <laughs> you probably could, and it wouldn't be that bad. It might not be that bad if you if you threw a couple of O threes in here. Uh huh. Yeah, I can dig it. No, it's um like don't let the casting cost like double blue fool you. This is just a fantastic card. It it has always been fantastic throughout Magic's history. And again, a four four is going to block reasonably well as well because it it looks like a four four is just kind of huge in this format. Yep. Um, card. I'm actually very interested to see how it plays. Is uh, Charter Course. One and a blue for a sorcery. Draw two cards, and then discard a card if you, uh, or unless you attacked with a creature this turn. So it's kind of got raid, mm-hmm. um, pseudo raid on this. I think this card will be very easy to make sure that you're always drawing two cards for two mana. It's it's certainly not that hard to enable. It's it, it's at worst case a better tormenting voice, which I was already playing a decent amount of the time, right? Because I draw first and then discard. That's strictly better than discarding first, and like. It's limited. You're going to be attacking your opponent. That's usually how you win the game. Um, so getting two cards off for, for one sounds great there. I like this card. I think it's good early. Um, good mid game, good late. I think it touches all of the quadrants there um, to borrow the limited resources kind of phrase. But like early on, like if this is in your opening hand and you've got, you know, a green and a blue and then a bunch of like four drops, like you're pretty happy with that because you don't mind casting this on two to dig for that third or fourth land. Um you know, mid to late game, it's pretty easy just to set up, you know, draw two cards for two for two mana. And then even late game, you might even be able to play one or both of those cards that you draw off of it. So 
Um, I think this is a high pickup. I think so too. I, I don't think I want to fill my deck with a million card draw spells and not get anywhere, but I, I do want card draw. And like, I was happy paying four mana to draw two in M and cat uh, sealed. So getting it cheaper just seems great. It kind of makes you bluff too, right? Like let's say you attack your three, three into their three, three. And they're like, well, they might have a combat trick. I'll take it. You're like, cool. I didn't care. I just wanted to draw some cards, man. Yeah. I it's even better when you cards. say that and you had the combat trick in hand. So next turn they block it and you blow them out. Like what? Yep. I drew it. Never didn't have it. Um, what's next for you? Um, I'm not going too too deep into the uh, the rares. So it, I think it's probably worth mentioning that there is a lot of bounce in the set. There's Depths of Desire, which is essentially a three-mana bounce spell that gives you a treasure token. This is our first instance of treasure, but it's it's basically when you cast a spell uh, that, that has this ability on it, or some activated abilities will create it, you get an artifact that you can sacrifice and get one mana of any color to your mana pool. This is an overcosted bounce spell, but it certainly still exists. It's over it's overcosted, but you get that rebate on it by getting this extra mana. Now, you have to note that the rebate is not always relevant um because sometimes you just have so much mana that the the extra one that you save doesn't really matter um but also you can't cast this on turn two you're casting it on turn three right so um yeah it it, mail-in rebates a little weird um when it comes to like evaluating how much something costs or like you know there's there's an actual downside here compared to a two mana bounce spell but i think it'll still be very good yeah, I, I just wanted to mainly be aware that there's a lot of bounce because there's some auras here that people are going to want to play, and I, I think we should point that out. Um, looking through cards, trying to get back to like commons and uncommons, I was kind of surprised that we've got a uh, four mana two five Merfolk Warrior Headwater Sentries three and a blue for a two five. Like that's just very big. And looking through the power and toughness charts, it blocks most of the format. If you're looking to deal your damage in the air this will quite happily hold most of the ground for you uh, while killing a lot of the things that would attack to try and enable raid. It's not going to hold up so well against enraged dinosaurs, but honestly, there's not that many of those. There's like seven in the set, uh, but I, I, this is a conditional card. You need to be very interested in blocking, but I like blocking and I haven't been able to do it for two whole sets. So I'm looking forward to doing it again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised you skipped over the rare entrancing melody though. Yeah, I was going to not talk too much about rares, but we've got a mind control here. Um, d- tell us about this card, Dave. Uh, it, it rules. Was it Kefnet's last word? Yes. Pretty close to that um, from the last set. So X blue blue, sorcery speed, gain control of target creature with converted mana cost of X. Um, no, you can grab a token for just blue blue. <laughs> you certainly can. You're probably <laughs> doing it wrong if you do that. You um, might be doing it wrong. There's... Um, it you should it should be very easy to get something at like four or five mana for X so so six or seven mana total uh, cost on this card um, that makes it well worth it. Mind control is always good. It is, and I, I, like I was mentioning in chat that the only downside of this is you have to pay two more than the creature that you're stealing. And then somebody pointed out, well, you've got treasure tokens lying around, don't you? Mm-hmm. So like, if you do have treasure tokens, that's going to make a card like this significantly better. Because if you play a five drop that's going to kill me, I may not be able to wait till I have seven mana to take it. But if I got a couple of treasure tokens, all of a sudden I'll just steal it. Entrancing melody, like so obviously sirens, but like, are they attracting with the treasure as well? Like, is that just is that has to be on purpose, right? Like the flavor of this card plus the flavor of treasures that has to be on purpose, right? 
I would think so. I would think so. Wizards never seems, never, never fails to, uh, to amaze me with their kind of subtle themes. Um, Lookout's Dispersal. So this is the uh, mana leak that, that I was talking about earlier. Two and a blue for a counter spell, uh, counter target spell, unless it's a controller pays four. Um, but it costs one less if your opponent, or sorry, if you control a pirate. So if you're in a dedicated pirate deck, this obviously is good. Um, you know, we played Supreme Will and we liked it, but Supreme Will also had the second mode on it. Um, what's your take on a on a mana leak in uh, in a format such as this, do you think? Well, I suppose the bad news is that if I cast a spell and my opponent casts this, they're probably going to counter it. But the good news is that they're playing Lookout's Dispersal in their deck. Um, so I, I think I would be pretty happy about that. We had Supreme Will that you could like turbo cycle. We had the other counter spell in the last set that had cycling. And I, I had somebody while I was doing the set review and I talked about this card in particular because I don't like it. And a lot of people really did tell me that I can't, it's not fair to compare it to a variant that had cycling in the last set. And I think it absolutely is. There may be one or two people who are listening that M and Cat and Hour of Devastation was their first time playing limited magic seriously. And that really changes how good a conditional card is. Like, I liked those spells because I could cycle them when they weren't relevant. And this one I can't. I also did get to play with Mana Lake way back in the day because I'm old and I've been playing magic for a long time. And it, it's fine, but it wasn't busted or anything. It's not super powerful. It, it's neat because we see it in Cube. But I mean, I remember when it was in, I played with it in Tempest. And I remember playing with it when it was reprinted in an M set and it was fine. So like, build your own Mana Lake. Uh, the discount really only matters if I can do something else with the mana and like, I may not be able to also the, the biggest thing about mana leak was it could replace a two drop in your deck. And this can't, unless you have a one drop pirate. So I, I'm, I'm kind of out on lookouts dispersal, but I'm also aware that I like counter spells unlimited a lot less than most people. Like if I want this effect, I'd probably rather just play cancel. Interesting. I think the, I think the upside of being able to, you know, like you have five man and you play a three drop and then hold this up. Um, like, I, I don't think you need to like you're losing the value on it if you're not spending the mana. I think where you're where you're gaining the value is when you can counter something on two mana instead of three. So either you have sure, that one drop sure. pirate, which is a thing. There are one drop pirates, right? Or you can play, you know, you have seven mana, you play five, uh, you know, you, you play a five drop and then you have that two left up um, to, to play this spell. I think there will be times where um you will cast this for two man you'll be quite happy i think you're right though i think you probably just want cancel most of the time this is a, probably a constructed plant more than anything i can go with you there okay um are you going to opt in to opt no why would i ever play this in limited see the thing you have to understand about opt is you can put as many basic lands as you want to in your deck really yeah so like you can I just find play that interesting lands. I think I think you would play this over top of a land. Nah, I'd rather have 18 lands in my deck than play opt. This is an, another card that's interesting for constructed, but essentially doesn't do much in limited. Scry one and then draw a card. Like, what am I looking for? I'm I'm looking for lands or spells. I, I don't value scry enough to put a card that doesn't do anything otherwise here. Like, were you playing crash through in decks that weren't triggering spells matters cards? No, but I was playing a bunch of one mana cyclers that I often cycled on on turn one when I needed to hit a land. Yeah, but if that's all they did, would you have played them? 
Because that's mostly what this does. Yeah, I did sometimes too. And sometimes you'll play opt. It's a common. You'll probably pick one up. And if you have one in your list, it's not embarrassing. But I, I, I don't think the value of finding a specific card is a very big deal. I think it's neat that it's being reprinted and we'll see play in modern. It'll certainly see play in constructed. But I'm gonna I'm gonna opt out on this. It's it's not something I'm interested in for limited. Uh, again, really? I think if there's one I think in the it's deck, than it's that. okay. Would Would you play a 39 card deck if you were allowed to in Magic? Yeah, but that's this is not that. I think it's I think it's basically that. So you're I, interested I think in it, upping the the consistency of lands that are in your deck by having a no, card I'm, that draws you. I a think little I bit. think you could I think you play this over a land. I, assuming that you're like nine blue sources, I think you play this over a land. If you have if you have three of them, sure. But no, then you, even just one. I think nah. it, I think if it, I think it I think it becomes it's just it's just a cycler, right? Like it's just like I mean, obviously, like all your cycler spells from the last set were modal spells. Like you could have a a five five for seven mana or whatever it was that cycled, and most of the time it it cycled. Um, I I think this is just that, um, except obviously without the body, but you just dig for your next body. It's that with no upside, right? Like the upside of the river serpent was sometimes I top deck at late game and I can just play it and it's great. And if I'm stuck on lands in the early game, I can cycle it and it's fine. Like that's one of the reasons we could play 16 lands decks in Amonkhet when there was no hour of devastation is like there were three or four cards in the deck that cycled for one mana that's absolutely perfect. But if I play this over land and then use it to find the land, why not just play the land? Like I, I think it's, it's well, it's not always going to. I mean, so it it let it help it'll help you keep sketchier keeps, obviously, which means you mulligan less, which you like. That's true. But then but obviously, if I play enough lands, then I, I don't have as many sketchy draws. But go, no, go ahead. But it but it'll but it'll, it smooths out your draws later in the game too, right? Like if if you need action, this is one mana. You know, potentially put a, a land on the bottom, right? And then draw a card. So I think that I, I think that it'll just help smooth out your deck as a whole. I think it'll be interesting to see. I'm I'm not sure. I've never played with a card like this. Interesting. Like is serum is serum visions good in in limited? I mean, it wasn't conspiracy, but I mean, conspiracy is a different beast. It's okay. I mean, I'd rather have something that can attack and block. And if I'm going to draw cards, I'd rather get quantity of cards than card selection. Right. Eh, like, I guess for me, opt, I'd, I'd, I'm much more interested in Pirate's Prize, which I wasn't even going to bring up because the card's not amazing. But it's four mana draw, draw to get a, a treasure token. Like if, if I'm looking to draw cards because maybe I'm a blue green ramp deck or maybe I and like that one's even at sorcery speed and I'm still OK with it. And that card's not very good, but I'll probably play it some. I think opt is is, is kind of worse than that. But we'll, we'll see how it plays out when we play with it. And I, I guess the thing is, like, I was, I've was i played formats where Serum Visions was there, and I very rarely took it. Now, Cube, yeah, sign me up. I'll take it. But, like, I've played with Peak before, and that wasn't good. That was just instant speed, look at your opponent's hand, draw a card. Wasn't interested in that. Hmm. Okay. Well, I think we'll see how it plays. I mean, it's common, so you'll, you'll get a few of these for sure. Yeah. Okay. What else you got? It's good to disagree. I like it that we disagree on some <laughs> cards. This is a good thing. This is a good thing. All right. There's a grip tide here somewhere that I wanted to talk about. Run aground. That's the one. That's the one. And then you can back up and talk about some that you're interested in. But th- this is the bounce spell of my dreams. Um, we've played with it before. There was a variant printed called grip tide that I remember from Theros. And I think from um, Avison restored, maybe it's, it's been around a bit, but it's, it's three and a blue for an instant put target artifact or creature on top of its owner's library. Like 
this is bounce and you're not down a card. That's fantastic. Um, if your opponent has any shuffle effects, go ahead and bounce it when they're about to shuffle their library. That's always a really fun thing to do with spells like these. I don't think there's that many in this format, but if there are any, you can get them there. You can do this in response to a combat trick and you have two for one to them, not one for one to them like you would if it was an unsummon. So like in, in addition to the unsummon that we mentioned, there's another one at uncommon and there's this. So there's plenty of bounce in blue. What we don't have in blue is actual hard removal, like any sort of narcolepsy enchantment, um, which we're kind of used to seeing something that either messes with its power and toughness, makes it a zero two or whatever, or taps it. Instead, we've got three bounce spells. So there's a little more bounce than you're used to. I imagine that's to get pirates through. Uh, but this is probably my favorite one of the batch, although you're paying a premium for it at four mana. I mean, the best feeling with a card like this is, um, you know, you're in a bit of a, you've got your opponent on top decks and they top deck something that's like, I don't know, just not a very good spell, like a three mana, two, three or something like that. And it's enough just to be a bump in the road. And then you put it back on top and swing for five and then they play it again. And it's just like, you know, knowing what's knowing that you have a terrible card on the top of your deck is just an awful feeling. I have absolutely done that with this card. Well, not this one, but a variant thereof. It's great. It's so fun. Um, no, the next card I want to talk about is the raid enabler superstar shorekeeper. I actually like Shorekeeper. I, I think at the end, I decided this is probably a sideboard card against an aggressive deck uh, because I do think a 0-3 is a relatively good blocker. Again, but there was like 70-some creatures with two power. It's not going to block all of them. Dave jokes, but it does still enable raid for those decks. And then it's got a relevant ability later. This is a one-mana 0-3 for blue. And then you can spend seven in a blue, sack it, and draw three cards. I was going to say, can we talk about this cycle? Let's, well, let's talk about this cycle as a whole. So there's a bunch of these one drops or one, and maybe there's a two drop um, the green one's a that two drop. is like eight mana and like do something. So this one's draw three cards. Red is like deal damage to some creatures. Um, black is like drain your opponent for a bunch. Like these are the rare cards that are like, okay, early and like not even okay, just like adequate early. And then late game, they're like also just adequate and then they have like no value in the mid game at all. Yeah. It's so weird. But the, the, the only reason that this one appealed to me, I think this one and the green one are the only ones that I'll play consistently. And I think I finally decided again on this one that if I'm playing against an aggressive deck, I'm interested in this because I need the zero three to be valuable. But like I've brought in things like a zero three when I was playing against an aggro deck and my deck was a little slower and been relatively happy with it. And it'd be neat to be able to cash it in late game, but that's, that's where I'm looking at doing it there. I'm I'm not nuts over this card for sure. If you have a bunch of um, raid enabler, like raid cards, I think this might even just go up in value. Just the, there's a bunch of two and three drops that have raid that are like good value raid cards, like draw card loot, um, all sorts of things like that. The value of this might go up in that case. So I was kind of half joking, um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't, poo poo the idea basically yeah yeah i mean and again it's going to block some stuff so it, it wouldn't surprise me if this turns out to be a little better than i think it is mm-hmm. anything else in blue got you excited or interested uh let's go through and take a little look see here and make sure i haven't missed something uh be aware that there is a five mana three three flash flyer that is looking to ambush your little dudes 
Um, how about Tempest Caller? It is called Windstrider. Oh, Windstrider. But how about Tempest Caller? This card's dumb. I'm going to lose to this so many times. Oh, yeah. This will, this will kill you. This will absolutely kill you. So two, two, and two and two blue. So two blue blue for a two three uh, merfolk. And when it enters the battlefield, tap all creatures target opponent controls. So, you, you know, target opponent loses the game. It's kind of a falter stapled to a 2-3. The, the body's not super great, but falter's usually pretty darn good. It means you're going to get an attack that your opponent wasn't expecting. Um, I see this best paired it with green where you're going to have big dudes, but I could also see it in other color combinations as well. Like generally speaking, getting in a big hit against your opponent's going to be fine. It's not particularly good if you're behind and it doesn't block particularly well, but that like effects like this never do. Uh, there's a six mana thing that like bounces all of your opponent's creatures, uh, which is, I mean, a, a similar effect. I like this one better because it's cheaper and does come with a body. So I've at least got a chump blocker if this attack doesn't kill them and I'm worried about them swinging back. But yeah, it's going to end games. The, the last time we saw this effect, it was on like a four power flyer which I think is a little more relevant because we were getting a decent body to go along with it. Whereas this one, the body's pretty medium. Make it a 3-4 and, and I'm I'm all about it. As it is, I'm still going to play it. I'm just not really happy about it. You're not playing this on turn four. You're holding it in your hand and you're warping the game state around being able to win the game when you cast this card. Yes, which means much like Falter, this is probably the last spell that you cast, right? So if it just said, you know, one mana creatures your opponents can't control can't block this turn, then it's kind of the same effect, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically be, be aware that this exists in blue. We're not used to seeing this effect in blue. Not since nap time, I guess. Sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else in blue or can we, should we move on to black? Uh, let's, let's mention people are going to open spell pierce. This is not actually very good and limited. It's a really good card in some constructed formats and it's really cool that it got a reprint, but don't try to main deck this in limited. It's a sideboard card. There you go. All right. Black. Black for the vampire synergies, possibly. Start with uh, what's first on my list. Uh, it's not necessarily a card that like will be good, but I'm curious how many hoops you have to jump through to make this good. So it's Bl- Bishop of the Bloodstained. Three black, black for a 3-3 three, three vampire. When it enters the battlefield, uh, you drain an opponent for each va- for one for each vampire you control. Um, kind of reminds me of the Grey Merchant, which was kind of a nutty card um in uh in Theros block it was nutty because it guaranteed to drain for two um i think this is this obviously not as good this doesn't drain uh oh it's just lose i i thought it drained oh thank you for correcting me on that one so i mean even still okay so gray merchant was good because it drained and also it hit for at least two i mean this just nugging your opponent what was the one in uh magic origins the elf one the black green elf one uh shaman of the pack yeah similar card to that obviously um a little more expensive on a better body but like if you can nug your opponent for three four reliably like i think this becomes very good it's going to take a bit more work it's it's suffering because gary was often your finisher um gray merchant i don't know why we call him gary but we call him gary the the body was a little worse but he was cheaper so like four mana for a two, four, we're already playing that in some formats, right? Like I've played that. Was he five or was he four? It's been a long time. I was time just about to look that up. I thought I he, was he was five. five. You, yeah. Let me look that up. You keep, you keep talking. Okay. So all Gary wanted you to do was have black permanence in play. 
the body was essentially the same. A 2-4 and a 3-3 may as well be the same card. They're going to bump into each other in combat, and neither is going to get through the other. What was significant there was that it drained, and I think it was a little bit easier to set up because, again, all I needed to do was have black permanents in play, whereas this, I need to have specifically vampires. Now, there's enough of them that it's still going to work. I, I think Gary's probably a reasonable comparison. I think Shaman of the Pack is not uh, because that was already just a reasonable body. I, I typically play three twos for three in most limited formats. I'm never over the moon about it, but I'm fine with it. So tack a pretty big upside of like, sometimes I get to lava actually with it. Like that that's going to be pretty good. And I think that's kind of how we need to think of this is like, this is sort of like a lava ax. If I build around it correctly, that also conveniently leaves a three, three behind. Mm -hmm. I like if if you force vampires with this card, I think you could make it very good. And if you had like two of them in your deck with like a bunch of, you know, random vampires, like I said, you could blind pick vampires for days. Basically, if you're if you're always picking black and white cards, there's a lot of them. Um, So or sorry, was that dinosaurs? No, there's a lot of dinosaurs, not as many vampires, Um, but you did get like value off the tokens and things like that. So I think this is a an interesting card. This might be a sleeper pick for a uh, like one of the one of the good payoff cards. Um, not that there are many in vampires, but um, you know, if you happen to this pick up a couple of these in pack two or pack three or something like that, you might be setting yourself up for a good uh, good win condition. I think it's okay. I think if you pick this in force vampires, you're doing it wrong. I think if you get a pacifism and then you pick up a decent black vampire and then you get another decent white vampire and then you see this, you're like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. cool. I, I got this guy. Neat. Mm-hmm. I'm a little lower on vampires than you, I think, but th- that doesn't make this card worse. All right. Um, what else do we got here? Dark Nourishment. I guess, I mean, there's a couple of, there's a couple of, uh, unconditional removal spells in black. Um, but there's like contract killing, for example, I don't really want to talk about it. I'd like to talk about, um, you know, walk the plank later on, I think is just way better. Um, are you interested in dark nourishment or is this kind of too expensive? So it's four and a black for, um, deal three damage to creature player and gain three at instant speed. I mean, instant speed's nice, but I mean, lightning bolt wasn't amazing because it dealt three damage. It was amazing because it dealt three damage for one mana. So like I'm essentially paying four mana to gain three life and getting a one mana lightning bolt. And I understand I'm old and removal's gotten worse, but even at instant speed, I think I'm kind of off this. You could splash it, but why would you bother? I'd I'd rather play contract killing, which I know we're not going to talk about, but for five mana at sorcery speed, I can just kill anything and ramp myself, or I can spend five mana to get instant speed. Now three damage does kill more in this format than it has in some in the past. Uh, Again, looking at creature analysis, like there's a hundred or so creatures that you're actually going to be able to kill with this. That said, it's, it's kind of still too expensive for me. Like I, I might play one, but I'm certainly not taking it early. And if I'm looking at a sealed pool, this doesn't go in the terminate pile. It might go in the playable pile. Mm-hmm. It's no um, essence extraction for no. sure. And I want, that's why I wanted to point that out because I think if people that have started since, you know, Kaladesh or whatever, um, that was, that was essence extraction, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, might they, that was good. That was playable. That was a reasonable three mana spell. Um, bumping that up to five is is pretty a pretty tough pill to swallow. I think. Yeah, two mana two two is fine. Four mana two two. Oh, um, I'm interested in Dead Eye Tormentor. Like we're kind of getting caught up on every not, not every card here, but a lot of cards here. But um, uh, what was it in uh, Mardu in Khan's Block? Skull um, Hunter. Skull Hunter. So this one has raid. It's two and a black for a two, two with raid. Um, and if, if you triggered raid, your opponent discards a card. I kind of like the skull hunter 
but also because it was two mana. So I don't think this is quite that. It'll be interesting to see if if this affects if this effect is good in the format or not. Like on this body, like it's just a two two, which is not a great body in this format. Um, there are some there is a way to recur vampire or uh, sorry pirates. So maybe you can get some extra value off that one. Um, I'm curious what your your take is on this one. I think it's a worse skull hunter. Like what mm-hmm. made skull hunter neat is if you were able to enable raid and play it, you got some value. And if you weren't able to enable raid, you could just play it on turn two and make sure your three drops raid was enabled. Right. So it was both an enabler and a payoff. And it was a very neat card in, in that deck. It also, I believe had warrior synergy. So like black, white warriors was a very strong tribe in, in cons block. Like it was one of the few single color pairs that you could play and be pretty happy with. And like, I, I haven't seen that much pirate synergy. Right. So I, I think this is a worse skull taker and I, I think I'm less interested in it. Although it is a built in two for one. It's just, I've got to be happy playing a scathe zombie, a three mana two, two to get it. And then I've got to do a little work to get the two for one. So I'm, I'm not over the moon about it, but I, I think it's certainly playable. Okay. How about another payoff in vampires though? This is the first payoff that I'm actually excited about. So I'm, deathless agent. Go ahead. Yeah, this one. yeah, Deathless Agent. Four black black for a 4-4 four, four flying. There's some more text. Right here, I'm already okay. I feel like I'm paying one mana more than I should, but I also feel like I've got a pretty good threat that can end a game, especially given the size of power and toughness in this format. However, tap three untapped vampires you control, return Deathless Agent from your graveyard to your hand. If you're playing black, you should have some vampires in your deck. And as long as you do, being able to buy this back out of your graveyard after you've traded it off or interacted in combat with your opponents with it, like maybe you block a 3-3 and they use a combat trick. Cool. Do you happen to have three untapped vampires? Because if you do, you can just put it right from your graveyard into play, basically. Like, this card seems great as a recursive threat. That was part of the problems with the, the gods in the last block, was that if you killed them, they just came back. This does that. You just have to jump through some hoops. It also doesn't have a game-breaking ability. I understand that. It's an uncommon instead of mythic, so like pick your poison. It's also worth noting, I haven't seen a whole lot of exile removal yet. I think there's one at rare, um, and pacifism deals with this quite good. Other than that, like there's not really any spells they can do to get rid of this. So if they're beating you to death with three threes and your life total's high enough, uh, this this is a pretty big stop sign. I, I like this card a lot. Yeah, I'm sold on it for sure. Um, what's next for you? Next for me, that's I'll a mythic. A we don't need to talk about that. I'll give you a hint. It it rhymes with and strangler and begins with S. Not really, but it's pretty close, I think. What in the world are you talking about? Oh, Fathom Fleet Cutthroat. It's a four mana three three that kills something. If it was dealt damage, however. That's but, not what that card does. This is my number yes, one does. pick for going to be most overrated card of the set. I now, that said, I'm still going to defend it here because I let me first say what the card does. It's three and a black for a three, three. When Fathom, Fathom Fleet Cutthroat enters the battlefield, destroy target creature and opponent controls that was dealt damage this turn. Okay. So what you can do with this is play a hill giant. And again, I think hill giants are going to be reasonably costed here. It's also a pirate, which is a pseudo relevant creature type. Now, most of what's going to happen with this is you attack creatures with higher toughness than power into your opponent's creatures with higher toughness than power. In other words, I attack my 2-3 into your 2-4. If you don't block, fine. If you do, I can play this and kill it. This does give you some incentive because this format 
because this card exists in this format, if you're playing black and you have a 2-3 and your opponent has a 2-3, rather than just passing if you're not interested in blocking, if you want to deal damage, attack. They may be scared of this and play around it, even if you don't have it in your deck. However, what you don't want to do is send in your small creature, have them eat it, and then play this to kill the big thing, unless it's horribly scary to you. But I'm I'm not even sure why they would do that unless they just played a dinosaur and they're ver- barely stable. So like you still can do that, but that's not what you want to do with this. I think this is an interesting card because you're with raid, you always want to be attacking, and your opponent is always going to be questioning you. Okay, are you attacking me because of raid? Or are you attacking me because of the Fathom Fleet Cutthroat? I'm never going to be asking that question. I'm just going to block. Really? Yeah. So like, so like, let's say I just have random one one vampire tokens or whatever. I'm playing black white, and I've got random one one vampire tokens, and I just attack in you know, into your three, three, you're just going to block a token every single time. Like if I didn't, every single time, if it's untapped, that means I didn't attack with it. And if you attack into me and I don't block with it, then I've essentially terminated my own creature. So if I'm not going to use it, then I may as well just rip it into pieces and sprinkle it on the floor. Like, Mm -hmm. but then again, I, I mean, that's my philosophy. When my opponents make attacks and have a combat trick, I'm usually like, go ahead and show it to me. Now there's occasions where I want like, the format's almost over now. You can sneak damage in against me when all I have is an Oasis Ritualist in play. I'm probably not going to block with it because I'm scared to death you're going to kill it and I can't cast my seven drop. But like, th- there's nothing a black deck's going to do that's so terrible for me that if I lose my three three, that the the game's just over. Hmm. Like, I, I think this will kill. I think so. This will kill a lot more things than what you think. I, I think it will. I think it will cost you one of your own creatures to do it. And I think in some cases you're going to be okay with that. Again, if it's a one one token, but like. Th- where you got the card from doesn't matter once it's in, in play. Like a 1-1 one, one lifelink is almost a card, right? Like I think we saw that some with the Sacred Cat from the last format. That's almost a card. And I, I don't want to throw that away just to turn on a hill giant. I think this guy's okay. I think I, I think it's it ranges from okay to slightly good. I just don't think it's great. I mean, it's a common, so of course it's not going to be great. But interesting, like like I think that like having your creatures, your small creatures that have lost utility in the mid to late game, and being able to trade up potentially, which is what this does. Um, you know, like I have a 2-2 that with raid that drew me a card already, and it's not doing anything. I can sneak it in for two damage if you're not going to block. Like if, if my opponent says, well, I think you've got a cutthroat, you know, and then maybe I have a raid card in hand or something like that. I think it just it doesn't it doesn't necessarily enable bluffing. I think it encourages trying to sneak that damage in which could add up over time. I think it, I think this will I think this will be an interesting card in the format. I think it'll it'll add an interesting dynamic when you're playing against the black opponent. Rated on a scale of 1 to 10. Um, I don't know. Like 6 question mark? Like I think it's better than yeah. like some commons. We're, it's not it's not a bomb. Yeah, we're we're exactly the same on this card. I think it's a little okay, bit better than average. I just I I'm I'm wanting to tone people down because I think some people are going to see this and go, "Oh my god, this is amazing. It's a terminate on a stick." And it it's it's just not. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Carry on. Uh, next kind of neat one for me um, is there's a mind rot. I like mind rot. It's two and a black sorcery target opponent discards two cards called heartless pillage. And it has raid. If you attack with a creature, you get a treasure token. This is not as good as um, unburden, which I think was actually my favorite card from M and by itself. Uh, adding cycling to that made it much better, but it's worth remembering that there's a mind rot in this format. We've seen mind rot or some variant of it in every set over the past three years, I think, but I'm, I'm happy to see it back. 
I often, when I'm playing sealed, which is most of what I play, bring in a mind rot when I'm on the draw, because it's almost like I get three cards, right? Because I got the extra card anyway. So that, that kind of even edges it up in value too. But maybe be aware that this card exists. It's at Uncommon now, so you won't see it as often as you did some of the others. I'm just happy to know that there's a Mind Rot in the format. Strictly better. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Kite Self Rebooter is neat. We're kind of getting hung up on a lot of these individual cards. It's just a lot of neat cards in this set. Um, agree, agree. This is um, Brain Maggot. Uh, one in a black for a one-two flyer. And when this enters the battlefield, pick a card out of your opponent's hand, non-creature, non-land. Oh, it's non-creature. See, I thought it was just non-land. Yeah. Mm, forget it. Not as interested in this card. I think it's, it'll, be, it'll, be, it'll be fine, but the fact that it's non-creature, non-land, um, is so it exiles that card until this leaves the battlefield. Brain Maggot was any non-land. Correct. Um, which is much better, I think. I, I agree. That said, if you happen to catch a card with this, great. If you don't, I think you're kind of still interested in a one-two flyer in some black decks just to enable raid for your other cards. Like, you're going to need some number of two drops. But I might even just play a Grizzly Bear to enable raid in that case. Um, I I don't think that makes the card bad. Your opponent's going to be playing, I don't know, seven or eight um, non-creature, non-lands you're probably going to be able to nab something with this a reasonable amount of time. And if you take a removal spell, if they want to get it back, they have to use a removal spell on this. So it's it, it, like, it kind of did its job. Mm-hmm. So you want to be like a lot of the times when you're um, casting cards that look at your opponent's hand and take things, you want to let them draw a few cards first. This one's probably different in that you probably want to get it down as early as possible. So you can nab that cheap removal spell out of their hand mm-hmm. and they have to use their expensive one on it. I think. Yeah, yeah. Or just use the expensive one on something else and they never get the card back. That's fine too, but it, it, it's mm-hmm. not amazing. Um, Let's see here. Queen's Agent. I want to talk about Queen's Agent because we haven't talked about any Explorer cards yet, I don't think. Yeah. Um. So Explorer is, is an interesting mechanic. This is the one that you look at the top card of your library. If it's a land, you draw it. If otherwise, you scry it, essentially. It goes on, on top or back into the graveyard and then you get a plus one, plus one counter. We were having a discussion earlier today on stream um, about where the tipping point is for these Explorer cards. So they're obviously always stapled to a body. This one is a five and a black for a three, three lifelink. So sometimes it's a three, three draw card. Sometimes it's a four, four lifelink. Um, Where is the tipping point for a creature that is like, obviously these creatures are overcosted or under underpowered. um, And, trying to figure out where that tipping point is, where you're happy with both modes of the card, because you don't have a choice in this, right? You're either getting a plus one or you're getting a card, but you don't have the choice in that. So you have to be happy with both sides of the card and trying to find which ones are good and which ones are bad, I think is going to be not necessarily difficult in this format, but I think it won't be as intuitive as as some people think. I think after looking through the entirety of the set and talking about each of the cards individually, where I landed were on the ones that are three or less are ones I'm excited about because that's where I'm likely to get some value out of look at the top card and potentially bin it, right? Like if I've got a two drop and I have no other lands, I play this, I look at the top card and it's a six drop, but maybe I want to actually bin it and get myself closer to a land so that I'm not mana screwed and I'm, I'm getting some real value out of that. By the time I have six mana, it's kind of irrelevant. And it, it, it kind of even gets that way at four mana and five mana, right? Mm-hmm. So like for me, it seemed like most of the ones that cost, uh, there was, a, I think, one at, at one mana, but most of them were like 
uh, two and three, those are the ones I was pretty excited about. And anything over that, I was kind of like, man, if I could control which side I got, I'd be pretty happy. But the randomness on it got me uninterested uh, once we started hitting four mana. Mm-hmm. This one's interesting because like, a three, three, like if, if, if you get the downside of getting an, a land with this one, like you definitely want a plus one, plus one counter. Um, you know, a three, three lifelink is, is it's not great, not, not even close to being great, but it's better than just a three, three, like the extra ability on this one makes it better, but I don't, I think it's too expensive. Like, I don't think you're ever happy getting a four, four lifelink out of this one. And that's the problem with this one. So be aware of that one. There's some very good ones. Um, I think the one we'll, we'll get to them later, but I, I think the ones you want are the ones with relevant abilities. Like there's one with first strike, for example. Um, and the ones that are cheap, I think if you can get those two or the repeatable one, there's a repeatable one in rare. If you can get that one, I yeah, think that might be, great. be okay. This one, if I got all the upside, if this was a six mana four, four always has lifelink and I get to scry one when I cast it and I get to search my library for land and put it in my hand, I still don't want it. Mm-hmm. So Schrodinger's like, vampire. Yeah, just just not interested in that at all. All right, that's fair. But we needed to talk about explore there anyway. I think. Agree. Agree. Um, anything else left? I'm kind of scrolling through the black cards here. I mean, there's a lot of black cards left, but I think I'm pretty close to being out of cards that I'm interested in talking about. The only other one for me that I think is is interesting is the Seeker Squire. It's one in the black for a one two when it enters the battlefield. It ex- oh that's that's one of the explore cards. That's why I got interested in it is because it's a two mana explore card. So that's just a, a good case for that at two mana. I thought there was one that dies into a treasure token. Uh, it's a two one that dies into a treasure token. I think that was earlier. I think we skipped it. Okay, I still I like that card too. But yeah, yeah I, I don't I don't remember the name of it. Yeah, that that's good too, right? It trades up or not trades up, but trades sideways and gets you an extra mana back, which could be relevant. Yeah. Um, vanquish the weak. So we weren't big on the one that that destroyed um four power or greater at sorcery speed, but this one is three power or less at instant speed. Are you a little happier about a card like this? I am a little happier about this one. I look at this as a similar card to um, Open Fire from the last set, and then it's a little overcosted from what you would expect to pay for this effect. We've seen the same card for one in a black at sorcery speed, so we're paying the extra mana to get it an instant. It has the ability to, to blow out combat tricks from your opponent. Conversely, it has the ability for your opponent to blow it out with a combat trick. This actually reminds me of Impeccable Timing, but without any of the timing restrictions that went along with it, right? Like we don't have to be in combat. I can just use it because of that. I'm going to be so scared of combat tricks for my opponent that I'm going to cast it main phase quite often, which means I may as well not be paying the extra mana for it. So if I could trade it in for that variant and origins that was two mana sorcery speed, do this, I'd be happier. Um, but like that, that's not an option I have. I have this and I think the card's good. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, your opponent will always have targets for this in limited. Yeah, you're going to be able to kill something, and it should be something relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, walk the plank. I'm actually, I think I'm pretty interested in playing walk the plank. Um, this is black, black for a sorcery. Destroy target non-merfolk creature. Um, it's, it's sorcery speed doomblade uh is is in this format i think is is probably the way to describe it so i guess what's it what was it from zendikar or not uh zendikar Innistrad. um victim of night victim of night so i'm pretty interested in playing this card to be honest i think this is probably um is it is it one of the best removal spells um 
Yeah, for sure. The, I mean, the double black is is a cost. Being sorcery speed is a bit of a cost. So like that that is taking it further away from Doomblade. But that said, this kills everything uh, except for Merfolk. Strangely, it kills fish. I'm not really sure how. I guess getting them on the plank and then you tell them to walk and they can't and they just kind of suffocate there. Uh, sure. ha- however it works, it kills everything and you need to do that. So that makes this a fantastic removal spell. Mm-hmm. Um. It's pretty much it for black, I think. Hey, yeah, those are the big ones for me. All right, let's uh, move right along into red. Then, what's your first step on your red list? Um, I I kind of actually like this bonded horncrest. Um, yeah. three three in a red for a five five dinosaur can't attack or block alone. We've seen this effect before on things like mog flunkies or, um, God, there was like a three four for three that was in some set that had this effect too that I'm remembering. But by, by the time I'm casting a four drop, I probably have a creature or two. I could probably follow it up with another one. So I, I don't see this as much of a, a, a downside here. I actually just like this card. If you have two of them, you're attacking for 10. Oh, that's the dream right there, right? Yeah. Double Mog Flunkies was the dream. It certainly was. Um, Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty interested. The, the stats make this, like put this over the top for me. The fact that it's a 5-5 five, five just outclasses, you know, 90% of the things in this format. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, combo this with anything that flies, obviously you're golden. It just wants a friend. I'll be your friend, Bonded Horncrest. It just wants friends. I know we're not really talking about the rares, but, uh, are you excited to play Captivating Crew? Oh, heck yeah. This is a three and a red for a four, three. I'm in. That's already my favorite magic card. I'm a huge fan of Borderland Minotaur. And then it has Act of Treason stapled to it for three and a red, gain control of target creature and opponent controls. It gains haste and tap it. You can only use it as a sorcery. So like this, this looks fantastic to me. I, I get a, a body that I'm already very happy to play. That's a little bit oversized for the format, again, excluding dinosaurs. And then I get an effect that's just great. Sign me up. Yeah, this this one is going to win some games, I think. Yeah, I would say so. Like so, if you untap with a late game, you could take two of their dudes. And like, yeah, what I was are, gonna say, what are they gonna do? Like, block their own dudes? They're they're gonna have to kill this. Is the answer? Yeah, if you can do this once a turn. So let's just say, like, you don't have any other good attacks, and you just steal their best thing every turn and send it in. Like, what are they gonna do? <laughs> right? If you never attack with a creature of your own, and you have captivating crew out, it's just like nug your opponent for three, three, four, you know, whatever. Because your opponent either has to make the tough decision of blocking their own thing. Or just taking three to four damage every turn. Yeah, you're, but to be fair, you're pretty far ahead at that point anyway, where they're not able to race you back with it, and you're spending four mana for that effect, but that doesn't make the card worse. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, it breaks open board stalls. Yes, that is exactly what it does, and it does it beautifully. Yeah, or if your opponent is behind, it's it's a bit of a win more card. Mm-hmm. Like, the dream is to play this, um, and then even while it has summoning sickness, so you play it in main phase one, steal their lone blocker and then swing back for like 10 and win the game eight mana. Yeah. It may as well have been active treason at that point, but I think the fact that you can play it on turn four and be happy with it. And then as the game goes on longer and maybe they've got blockers and it gets outclassed, it's still relevant. Like they're always going to have to respect this for the entirety of the game. And that, that just makes it a good card. Um, note that there's a lot of mana sinks in this format. There are, there are like not even just the eight mana cycle of like, almost useless creatures um or at least their activate activated abilities are useless but there's 
this mana sink there's you know a, a common or uncommon green one there's um there there's a lot there's a merfolk one i think there, there's a, there's a few mana sinks so um you'll have things to do with your mana don't don't worry about that and that be where your treasure goes matey yeah um okay i don't remember where i saw this i want to say it was twitch chat somewhere not not your twitch chat but somebody else's this next card i, I have to mention it because i love the nickname uh lava t-rex or lava t-rex um the reason for that is because it's a five mana five five trample haste and um so basically it's a repeatable lava axe yeah this card is on a dinosaur it's It's so good it's it's a dinosaur uh charging monstrosaur is the card name Uh, but i'm gonna first pick this a lot like what's not to love five mana five five i'm already pretty good with that trample heck yeah they can't jump it haste like one of the downsides of even a five mana five five is that your opponent can double block it. Giving it haste means they're not going to be prepared to double block it because they don't know it's coming. So many formats we talk about, don't be scared of the big, scary haste monster. It doesn't exist. Just make the attack. You'll win next turn. But now there's a big, scary haste monster and its name is Lava T Rex. Yep. I'm in. I'm sold. That'll be a, a very high pick for me as well. What else you got? Uh, dual shots worth mentioning. Um, as we look through the spoiler, there are 29 creatures that have a toughness of one or less that you could be able to kill. And I think you actually mentioned it at the top of the podcast. You can kind of cute combo this by pinging one of your enraged creatures and getting a trigger. It does also take care of some tokens that could be produced by the, the white cards predominantly. Uh, so I think dual shot is probably worth a main deck slot. If you have an enraged creature, and you'll probably be able to find a, a target on the opponent's side. We've seen this card before, but it's one mana for an instant, one damage to, uh, up to each to each of up to two target creatures. You can also do the classic attack my 2-3 into your 2-3. They block it and then do this post-combat to nab it. So I think all of that adds up to make Dual Shot something I'm relatively interested in having one of in most red decks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm very interested in playing this in an Enrage deck because it has that, it's like modal spell, right? Like kill your opponent things, opponent's things, or get very useful in rage triggers. Hopefully, or both, or both. Choose one or both. Um, fire cannon, fire cannon blast. Um, this card is interesting to me. You'll remember uh, arrow storm from the cons block. I do. So one red red for a sorcery. Uh, fire cannon blast deals three damage to target creature. If you have enabled raid, it deals six. Arrow storm was four mana for. Four damage and five damage, or three damage and four damage. I thought it I don't was remember. five. Was it with five on the raid? It wasn't six on the raid, right? Um, no, I think the card cost five. Oh, did it cost that much? Yeah, it cost five. It was four damage and then five if you had raided at instant speed. No sorcery. No, it was sorcery speed. Wow, this mm-hmm. is just pretty much a better arrow storm then and i liked arrow storm yeah arrow storm was good there um i think arrow storm could go to face i just closed the tab no that's okay but i mean like you you didn't always go to face with it right like you 90 percent of the time 95 percent of the time you're killing creatures with it um granted that was in a set with morph which means that it was easier to bluff your 2-2 to trigger raid um you know sometimes it didn't get blocked or things like that but um you know if you have evasive threats you know, the six damage is probably very, very relevant. Um, and even still, you know, three damage at sorcery speed is okay. Um, like, you're not going to 
you're not going to kick them out of out of bed for eating crackers kind of thing right um yeah, I'm, I, I'm very I'm happy, happy about this, this card the, yeah this yeah. is a, an upgraded um upgraded arrow storm as long as you're not interested in going to face with it and it looks good a card like this i, I had mentioned while we were reviewing it that i'd love for it to be at instant speed and they're like well it really can't be because at that point raid is always enabled right like you attack and then immediately cast it deal six damage to something before blocks so it's like main phase you need to kill something kill it Second main phase, like it's going to be a little harder if you need to deal six damage to something, you're going to have to throw away a creature to do it, but that doesn't make the card worse. No. And I mean, you might not have to throw away a creature for it. Yeah, maybe right? they're, they're scared. There's evasion. Sometimes they don't block. You know, there's, there's maybe it pairs up with that black creature we talked about for 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Lightning Strike is back. Can we just mention that and carry on? Yeah, we know what Lightning Strike does. Uh, one in red for an instant, three damage to target creature or player. It's an uncommon now. Um, What? Dinosaur Ramp in red? What yeah, is I was this? Pretty happy with this guy. Autopec Huntmaster. One in a red for a one-two. Dinosaur spells call, call, <laughs> you cast cost one less, and you may tap it to give target dinosaur haste until end of turn. Wow. I like this one more than the white one. Um, I do too. It's, it's, a, well, I do and I don't, right? Like it, it's, it's an uncommon, so I'm going to see it a little less. The body is less relevant on its own, right? Like it looked like a zero three is actually going to block a couple cards, whereas it looks like a one two is just not a card that you're casting in combat. But if you're actually doing what you're supposed to do with this card, which is ramp into dinosaurs, then it's way better at that. I also think the two of them together go quite nicely. Mm-hmm. Play one, play the white one into this one. So turn one, turn two, this. And then turn what three, could play you do five drop. Three. Gee, maybe a lava T Rex that already has haste. Yeah, you could give it haste. You could give it double haste. You could. It attacks twice as fast. But I mean, you, you get my point. There's there's ramp cards for dinosaurs in um, all of Naya. the Naya colors. Yep, all of them. Out, stand. Man, there's so many. There's so many cool cards in this set. It really is. I'm excited to play these cards. Um, what else are we looking at here? Let me just get my notes here. It's a rare, but I got to mention it because it's a callback to an old magic card that I love to pieces. Repeating barrage is okay. one red, red for a sorcery, three damage to target creature or player. And it has raid three, red, red return, repeating barrage from your graveyard to your hand. Uh, I, I'm going to like this more than I'm supposed to, because it's a callback to a card called hammer of Bagarden which was in the first set that I drafted. And the card was basically unbeatable back then. Uh, it, it was similarly costed. That said, I, I know it's probably not as good now as it was then, but I, I just love this card and have fond memories of it. Uh, so I, I'm going to take this higher than I should. And I'm going to admit that now and just go ahead and get that out of the way. If you're watching the stream or you're watching a draft video and you see that, yes, I'm taking this too highly. No, I don't care. I still like the card. Seems fair. There's a card here that I have a note for. Um, I want it says Travis question mark, which means I wanted your opinion on it. Uh, Stormfleet arsonist. So four and a red for four, four orc pirate. Um, what does an orc pirate say? They yar? wouldn't say yar. I, I don't know. Anyway, whatever. I'm, I'm picturing like orc, um, like accents from um, Lord of the Rings. Oh, I was thinking games workshop. Oh, that would work too. Okay. Um, okay. Anyway, when, when this enters the battlefield, if you attacked with a creature, so if you triggered raid target opponent sacrifices a permanent. Now, the reason I wanted to 
get your take on this one is my take on it is that your opponent probably sacrifice a land most of the time. Probably. They may also have a treasure token or a 1-1 or 2-1 laying around that wasn't doing a whole lot. So do you think this gets relevant things enough to make this like a reasonable pick? Or are you happy if your opponent is sacrificing, you know, like their sixth or seventh land if they don't want to sack a creature? Yeah, that, that's my problem with it is that we're not necessarily getting something relevant for it. If if you put this at three in a red, this card's a stone cold bomb and I'm super crazy excited about it. If we made it a four or five or a five four, I'm probably more excited about it. The The problem for me is that we cannot control how good the raid trigger is going to be, and we may not always have the raid trigger. So that makes me look to the stats on the card, and they're just a little bit under average. Again, I think a 4-4 is going to be pretty big in this format, but we've seen the uncommon 4-4 from white. I can give it flying and vigilance. We've seen the uncommon 4-4 from black, and it was just better than this. So this one, I'm kind of like, eh, meh, whatever, I guess. Like, if I don't have a better 5-drop, I'll play it, but I kind of hope I have a better 5-drop. I really a, wish it was non-land permanent. Yeah, me too. It'd be, it'd be very good then. Yep. Okay, we're on the same page. How many Stormfleet Pyromasters do you want? <sighs> it's 5 mana. That's a lot of mana. It's 4 in a red a for a 3-2 human pirate wizard. Raid two damage to target creature or player. Do you yeah. remember the two, three and cons that did this for four? I don't. Okay. It was really good. That was one of the better cards we had in cons. It got, well, I don't go- remember that one. Cause it got gobbled up super quick. Cause it was a stone cold bomb. Uh, but it was like two and two red, red for a two, three raid two damage to something. I may be misremembering it, but I, I know that a card similarly costed to that existed and it was good. Um, that said it was one mana less, but a little harder to cast in a format that wanted you to be three colors. Anyway, I think I want one of these in my red decks, maybe two. I mean, it lets, it lets you trade up, right? It's the same as that. Um, it, it, I mean, it's not the same. It's pretty close to that black card. Like if you're trading like a, you know, you're running your two, two and your opponent's four, four, and you can nug them with it. Right. It's that same kind of concept. However, if they don't take the bait, you can also just pick off something else. So I like this two to more. their face or just two to their face. Right. So I do like this more. Um, but yeah, I don't think you want too many of them. Yeah. I, you can't afford to put too many, you know, five mana, three twos in your deck, but I, I think I'm pretty happy with the first one. God, it's going to be so hard to like decide if you want to block or not in this format. Just block every single time. I'm telling you, you I think you almost have to. It. Yeah, you do. You do. The correct decision is just block. Yeah. Um, that's the, it for my list in red, even though there's still a few cards left here, but I don't think there's anything that I'm terribly interested in talking about. Yeah. The, the only other one that I think was pseudo relevant was unfriendly fire. This is an upgraded downgraded, depending on how you look at it. Electric, uh, electrify it's four in a red for an instant four damage to target creature or player. It's worth remembering that this format, that this exists in this format. We've seen a good bit of burn to the face. So it, it may be that four is not zero, five is not zero. We'll have to find what the magic number is. Um, but adding a little bit of the casting cost makes it worse. Having it go to face makes it a little better. I'm not saying you should pick it early. Just be aware that it's in the format. Yep. All right, green? Green. I'm excited I, for green. Yeah, I think it may actually be easy being green. Yeah, I, I love green in general, and and this really makes me excited to play green. Yeah, So I've... 
I apologize to podcast listeners. I've got a cat that is being annoying. I have no idea what that's like. <laughs> you wouldn't, would you? All right. First up that I'm excited for is not the 9-9 for 8. No, 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 no. It is the Adzokan? 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 Adzokan. Adzokan. For two and a green, it's a 1-4 with reach, and when it enters the battlefield, you may have it fight another target creature. Now, you will note that it is not another target creature and opponent controls, meaning that if your opponent has no good targets for this, just nug one of your enraged dinosaurs with this. It happens uh, to have less than four power, right? Uh, correct. I mean, a lot of the ones that you're interested in hitting does, or like, like, like do have less than, than four power. So for example, there's the ramp one, which we'll talk about. Um, there's the, there's one that gains you life. There's one, the one that puts plus one, plus one counters on all your things. There's a lot of them that I think you're interested in nugging yourself, but then there's also a lot of X ones on your opponent's side of the table too. So I think this is just like win-win. Yeah, and again, attacking a 3-4 into a 3-4, they block, you ping, like, you get some value that way too. So I, I think this card is just good. I agree. But I'm really excited to draft this one. Matu. Matu. Next. More next, dinosaurs? Next for me is going to be... Um, yeah, it takes me a while to dig through here. But here we go. I like this one. Drover of the Mighty. One and a green for a 1-1. One, one. Tap it, add one mana of any color to your mana pool. And if you control a dinosaur, it gets plus two, plus two. This really reminds me of Channeler Initiate, which we had in the previous set. And then it's a two drop that ramps you and fixes you. And then a little bit later in the game, it gets a little bit bigger. It's neat that it's an uncommon instead of a rare. So I'll get to see it a little more often. Um, but like, I'm, I'm interested in ramp in green. Generally speaking, I'm probably interested in fixing because maybe I'm splashing a white dinosaur in my green, red deck. And this does all of that and then turns into a three, three later in the game, which is a much more relevant body size. So I I dig this card. Yeah. I like the fact that you don't have to spend it on dinosaurs. Yeah. You can spend it on anything you want. Yeah. This is a much safer pick than your, the red or the white kind of counterpart to Mm -hmm. this card. Agree. But if you have all three, oh, oh, Lordy. Oh, Lordy. That's a Um, lot of dinosaurs with haste. That's a lot of dinosaurs and three humans to power them out. Um, let's see here. Jade Guardian. I'm pretty interested in this one, I think. I don't know about you, but this is a three and a green for a two, two merfolk with hexproof. When it enters the battlefield, put another, put a plus one, plus one counter on a target merfolk you control. So this is a three, three hexproof or one of your other merfolk is, is bigger. So it depends on the, the, the quality of the merfolk in this set. We've seen a couple of okay ones. Um, but a three mana or sorry, four mana, three, three hexproof is at common is kind of annoying, I think. So, you won't have to pick this highly. Like, hopefully you can get them later. But, I mean, you know, you could probably do worse for your your four-drop spot. And if you happen to have Merfolk that you can put this on and give that counter haste, potentially, or, or put something out of, you know, give something for toughness, for example. Um, you know, make a 3-3 three, three into a 4-4 four, four or something like that. Um, I think you can get a lot of utility out of this card. I, I don't disagree with everything you said. I, I have mentioned this a, a few times, but looking at the stat sheet, it looks like a 3-3 three, three is kind of your, an average creature size or a good creature size. Um, so a 3-3 three, three Hexproof may be a little bit worse than it normally would be because your opponent's probably going to be playing Hill Giants as well. This is a good target for several auras uh, that we're kind of skipping over but do exist in the set. There's one that gives something plus two, plus two in flying, another that's plus two, plus two in lifelink. So if you if you want to play those auras, this is a nice, safe target to put them on. Mm-hmm. Um, are you interested in Jungle Delver at all for your one-drop spot? 
No, this is not the one drop I'm looking for. This reminds me of the, was it Verdant Automaton from Kaladesh? Yeah. Like that was just garbage. If I'm ever investing mana in this, I'm unhappy. It's a one mana, one, one Merfolk warrior. I can spend four and put a plus one, plus one counter on it. Uh, this is not a mana sink. This is a mana stink. <laughs> that also came from Zombub. He really was on fire today. He was chat MVP. Um, here's a good explore card though. This is, this is a high quality explore card right here. Merfolk Branchwater, one in a green for two, one with explore. Yeah, this is one of my favorite ones because like whichever way this goes, I think you're pretty happy. If it's a, a piker that draws you a land, awesome. If it's a three, two for two, awesome. And I get some pseudo scry value off of it. Like I can look, you know, bin a high drop looking for a, a land or, you know, just get the counter and be happy with it. So I think this is one of the better explore cards. This is one that I would pick highly. I'm surprised it's not a three drop. To be yeah, honest, it seems like it would fit, but maybe they discounted it because it's green and they like green yeah. gets good creatures. Mm-hmm. Can yeah. I talk about the land before time? This card looks amazing. I know it's it fits right in your alley here. Yeah, I like this one. It's called New Horizons, two and a green enchantment aura, enchant land. Enchanted land has tap, add two mana of any color to your mana pool. When New Horizons enters the battlefield, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature you control. This is functionally very similar to Gifts of Paradise, which I already liked. So if the this is depends on how aggressive the pirate and vampire decks are. If I can actually ramp in green, and I suspect that I can in sealed, then I'm very interested in this. When I played Am and Cat sealed, just full Am and Cat block, one of the things I was actively looking for was do I have two or three Gifts of Paradise? Because if I do, I can just play whatever the heck I want to. I don't have to worry about color restrictions. And this is going to let you do that in sealed as well. It, it is more interested in you having two drops, whereas M and Cat sealed and later Hour of Devastation sealed. I usually played three two drops, and that was about it for most decks. Whereas this one, you're, you're kind of losing some of the impact if you're not able to play something early and, and you miss that counter. So just be aware that that's a little subtle difference in the card, but I still think it's quite good. Mm, I look at it as kind of the other way where, like... If you played on turn three and you don't have any creatures, it's like whatever, like you you get that effect for three mana. You're you're okay with that. That's why you play the card. But late game when it's not as good, you can at least get some small amount of utility out of it. Okay, that's a good perspective, too. You may be right about that. Right. Because Gift of Paradise, that didn't do anything else, did it? It, it just gained, gained you three life, life, right? Yeah. Yeah. So three life. So, I mean, three life versus a plus one, plus one counter. Like you probably rather the plus one, plus one counter. But it just it, it just averages out the like where this card is good i think or at least acceptable like top decking this you're like yeah I, I can make my three three into a four four or something like that right i can put it over the top or something like that yeah so yeah um there are two fight spells which i love i love fight spells pounce at instant speed one in a green uh, and then savage stomp at sorcery speed which is two in a green but you get a discount of two mana if you target a dinosaur you control and it gets plus one plus one counter so we loved hunt the week well first of all what was the uh rabbit bite no um what was the instant speed one from um shadows block um i, I will always think of this card as pit fight which appeared in gate crash sure. um yeah. but that that's a good way to describe pounce but it is instant speed fight the the instant speed somewhat relevant if they try to kill your dude if they try to use a combat trick you can snipe something with it and it's a nice cheap cost we have seen this spell before at three for instant speed in Battle for Zendikar, and it was not good. 
but I think that's more because green was not good than because this effect is not good. Pit fight was quite good. So I think we like pounce and then savage stomp, I think compares to the like cartouche of strength or hunt the week is probably mm. another good way to look at it. Like mm-hmm. those were just good cards. Now this one's uncommon as opposed to common for the cartouche. Um, but that, that doesn't make the card any less, less good. Like both of these are fantastic. They interact favorably with enrage and they kill stuff and give you an attack that you may not have had otherwise. I think Savage Stomp does that a little bit better, so obviously I'd prefer that one. Like I don't I don't really need my fight to be instant speed. Like it, sure it gives it some flexibility, but I'd always rather have the counter. But both of these look very good, and I, I would imagine picking them quite highly in green decks. Also, green's going big. Mm-hmm. Savage Stomp plays very well, obviously, with your enrage as well. Like like all of these things. I, I'm loving the dinosaur in, in dinosaur in green theme because of the enrage, I think, right? Like we skipped over I kind of skipped over the ranging raptors, which I'm really interested in playing. This is a two and a green for a two, three dinosaur, and it has enrage whenever it takes damage. You get to search your library for land and put it onto the battlefield tapped. That seems like a good card to me, too. It seems like a really good card. Like, I mean, sure, late game, like late game, you're, you're going to pull a land out of your deck and you're you're not as happy about this, but like early game if you can get a fight spell off with this thing right like turn four you play savage stomp on this thing you know make it a three four kill your opponents two two swing in for some damage on your opponent's empty board and get a land on your table to like play like your six drop dinosaur later on i'm pretty happy about that i think that's christmas land but i think that's like not magical christmas land that that's like shopping mall santa christmas land yeah, this is asking Santa for a bike instead of asking him for complete dominance over the earth. This is a reasonable Christmas wish. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another dinosaur payoff card, I think, I'm, or not payoff, but like enrage card that I'm looking for. How excited are you to play the snapping sail back? Please say yes. Please say yes. Please say yes. It, it looks great. Like the dream scenario. It's it's four and a green for a four four flash dino enrage put a plus one plus one counter on it so the dream scenario is they attack with something with three or less power that's not evasive and you flash this in and eat it and then untap with a five five already in play so it's sort of like pseudo haste that's very exciting there will also be times where it's correct to just flash this in and then start attacking with it but the fact that you have that flexibility and that it's still difficult to block i think is going to be a, a very good thing for this card it also plays quite well with the fight cards um, so I, I think I'm very excited to, to, to play with this. Yeah. 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 There's so many good dinosaur cards. I'm never going to get to play them because everybody's going to pick them. That's right. I'm going to take them before you. Um, any other, I mean, we basically glossed over all the Merfolk cards. I think they're kind of secondary. It'll be interesting to see if, um, Merfolk are more important in the next set in the, in the block. Um, they kind of don't seem like they are now, do they? No, but I'm wondering if we'll get the other wedges. Do you know what I mean? Like, so we've got Grixis or or, uh, Shard, sorry. We've got Grixis and Naya. And I wonder if we get whatever the other ones are. Um, Green, blue, black. Esper. Bant Esper in the next one. There's there's another Shard and I can't remember what it is. Junk? No, that's a wedge. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Jund. Jund. How could we forget about Jund? How could I forget about Jund? We've got at least mentioned Thundering Spineback. This is an uncommon ramp target that I'm interested in. Five green green for a five five dinosaur. Other dinosaurs get plus one plus one. And you can spend six to create a three three green dinosaur creature token with trample. Of note, it will get pumped by the Thundering Spineback. 
So it's like you ramp into this, and then the only thing you do for the rest of the game is make three three dinosaurs until they kill it. And then when they do, you've still got the dinosaurs left over. So like this, this looks like a pretty good ramp target with a built-in next ramp target. Yeah, that's pretty good. I, I like that guy a lot, so I, I think that's worth mentioning. Um, are you interested in Verdant Rebirth at all? One in a green for an instant until end of turn. Target creature gains, quote, when this creature dies, return it to its owner hand, unquote, and then you draw a card. So the thing you need to understand about Verdant Rebirth is you can play as many basic lands as you want to in your deck. <laughs> and I, I think, generally speaking, I'd rather have one than this card. I, I don't like this. This is like the weirdest worst negate I've ever seen, and I don't like it. Really? Yeah. Have you ever unsummoned your own creature to protect against removal? Um, not nearly as often. I'm usually tapping out in games of limited. Like most often I'm unsummoning it after they've pacified it. Like I've done sure. it occasionally, but like I've done, I've done it a few times. It feels good. It, it does, but you're usually casting unsummon on your opponent's creature and you're, you're giving up all of that value that unsummon has and that flexibility by making it only bounce your guy in response to removal. Um, and the upside you get from it is it does say draw a card on it, right? But like you're very rarely going to want to return your own creature to your hand in response to a removal spell. Like it, it can be cute if they have a combat trick, right? You're sort of drawing two cards, the creature that died in this, but you still got to reinvest the mana in your own dude. I, I don't like it. Hmm. I'm wondering if there's enough. There's some enter the battlefields effect and Mur- enter the battlefield effects in Merfolk. Um. So obviously it's leaning more toward that. I'm just, I'm just interested. Like, I think, I think a lot of people are going to play this card and I don't know where I come down on it. So I don't think it's very good. I I think it's probably playable, but not good is how Mm. I would describe it. That's fair. Um, do you want to talk about the gold cards? Are there any gold cards in here you're interested in? Uh, we should probably at least run through them. There's, um, like we can at least look at the uncommon ones and kind of chat about those briefly. There's the belligerent bro. Five green white for a four six dinosaur. Each creature you control assigns combat damage equal to its toughness rather than its power. Um, I, I, I wanted to mention this because be aware when you play it, if you have any three twos or two ones in your deck, you have just downgraded them, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can accidentally nerf yourself with this if you're you're not careful during deck construction. Um, it's it's kind of seven mana for a six six that can make some of your other dinos a little better. I would be cautious about playing this. There's a one seven for four or five in white. Like obviously that's a neat combo with this, but make sure that that card is pulling some weight on its own, not just sitting there to, to be comboed with this. Um, but I mean, this, this kind of tells you what the green white pair wants to do, which is cast big things. Yeah. Cast big things with toughness. Um, there are some green cards that have more toughness than power. Um, and then there are a couple of white ones that stand out. So not only the one seven, but also the three, five within rage. Um, yeah, I'm, I don't know how interested I am in this card. I think I'd rather like, if I'm taking this, I'd, I'd take it if I'm green, white. And if I'm already in toughness matters, but I don't think I first pick this and kind of go into that. Agree. Agree. All right. Um, call of the feast two white, black, make three, one, one vampires with lifelink. I mean, I'm interested. It, it's it's a basically a hill giant with lifelink and then spread out over the bodies, which is a, a little better at attacking, a, uh, excuse me, a little better at blocking, a little worse at attacking. Um, I, I still don't think that makes it amazing, but uh, I mean, lifelink's not a bad thing to have. 
I, I'm kind of down mm-hmm. on vampires, aren't I? You are. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I may need to get beaten with that deck a few times before I believe it. Okay. How do you feel about this one? Is this amazing and I'm just crazy? No, nah, it's whatever. It's, I mean, Hordling Outburst. Yeah, which was fine. It was fine. Just fine. Dead Eye right. Plunderers is our next. It's three blue black for a three three. Gets plus one plus one for each artifact you control, and you may spend four to create a treasure token. You sure want to prioritize treasure tokens if you have this card, because there's not a lot of artifacts, you know, that like just random artifacts you're going to be playing. It's not Kaladesh block. Yeah, it it does make its own. Like we're only overpaying by one off of the hill giant, so I don't I don't know that you need to necessarily prioritize them. Just recognize that it's not an aggressively costed card, but it does come with its own mana sink. Like it, it's it's kind of like it says four mana put a plus one plus one counter on it. So we compare it a little bit to that uh, one mana one one we saw in green. The difference is like one activation. I feel like I've got a reasonable creature here, whereas with the green one, I probably have to do it two or three times to get to that point. And then instead of just putting counters on it, it's actually giving me artifacts that I can use to do something with later for ramp. So like, I think this card is okay. I don't think it's busted, but it's always nice to have a mana sink in your decks and it is a relevant creature type. There's also, I think, one equipment that pirate decks might be interested in. So if you already have that in play, it would come down as a 4-4. If you can ever make it come down as a 4-4, I think you're happy. Just don't don't suck your treasure tokens to ramp this out. (laughs) I was going to say, when you like, attack or block with it and your opponent let's say chumps or something like that just take you know take those treasure tokens that would kill it and put it over to the side until the end of the turn and don't spend them yeah you know if, if you have two treasure tokens and this thing takes three damage just take a couple of those treasure tokens and go slide them over to the side and just make sure that you remember exactly how much damage is on dead eye plunderers before you start spending those agree um dire fleet captain so whenever Dire Fleet Captain attacks, it gets plus one, plus one for each other attacking pirate. And it's a two mana two, two. It's a black and a red for a two, two pirate. Yeah, it looks mostly like a grizzly bear with upside. It's a little harder to cast. So I'm kind of going to go down like average on this. If I'm in red, black, I'll probably have some pirates. So I'll probably be pretty happy with this. I'm not over the moon about it, though. But it it's kind of the signal post. Hey, red, black is pirates. It wants to be attacking. Mm-hmm. That takes us to our next uncommon, which is Marauding Looter. I I like this card a lot. You can probably guess why. Two blue-red for a 4-3 human pirate. Raid. If you attacked, you get to loot at the end of your turn. Cool. Note that it has to be on the battlefield to have this effect. So it, 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 it has to survive or something else has to attack. Right, but it's so great. I, I can attack with my 3-2 into your 3-3. Three, three. You take the damage, you don't, whatever. I play this second main. At the end of that turn, I will get a loot off unless you kill this before the end of the turn. And then in future turns, I can attack with this or something else. I don't get to loot for each thing that attacked. I just get to loot once each turn if I've attacked. So stapling this onto a, a, a relevant body, 4-3 for four, 4, and then giving me a, a loot every turn if I'm willing to work for it, Obviously, looting only at the end of your turn is worse than looting whenever you want to, right? Because I, I can't dig for a specific answer and use it right now like I could with a looter. But I think I'm still pretty happy with this card. Mm-hmm. I do love that they use the word looter. Yeah, like me too. That, and, and there was also um, Rummaging Goblin in here in the in red as well. So nice little callback there. Um, well, not actually callback, just a reprint. But um, 
yeah, I, I like that that the lexicon has has kind of stuck around. It's pretty sweet. Um, in uh, in gruel colors, raging swordtooth three red and a green for a five five dinosaur. I love five five stat lines in this format. Um, it has trample, and when it enters the battlefield, it deals one damage to each other creature. Eat the vampires, enrage your dinos. Yeah, I, that's what it's supposed to do. It's still worse than the five mana, five, five trample haste in red. Cause like, it's impossible for you to say that that one damage to each other creature is going to be a benefit for you or a benefit for your opponent. But generally speaking, you know, this is in your deck. You know, when you can play it much like many other effects. If you attack a three, four into a three, four from your opponent and they block, you just got some value out of this. As long as you don't value your, <laughs> your own three, four very much, I guess you'd have to attack a two, four into a two, three. Yeah. If you want to keep your dude, but obviously it works neat if you have some enraged triggers and it is going to be very difficult for, for any deck that's relying on X ones to, to beat this card. I think I still value it lower than the, the one that was just straight red though. I think you're probably right. I think this one I would side out in a dinosaur matchup. In the possibly. dino mirror? Yeah, possibly. Like if my opponent has um, the white one with enrage, give plus one, plus one to the team or whatever. Like this is just bad against that. Not only does it just like it'll just get double blocked the first time you attack with it because all your opponent's creatures just, just got much bigger. Um, but like, you know, you're just giving them so much value and you're probably not killing anything. Yeah, I'm with you there. Up next, we have Shapers of Nature. This is one blue-green for a 3-3 Merfolk Shaman. You may spend four mana, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature. Three mana, remove a counter from target creature you control, draw a card. I like this guy too. Um, the three mana, three, three is already pretty good. It's a little bit harder to cast than normal. The fact that I can put that counter anywhere I want to makes blocking typically pretty miserable for your opponent. I don't have to put it on this guy. I can put it on something else. I don't think I'm going to be removing counters very often. I think I'm going to be trying to spread them around and, you know, make a big creature or make several medium-sized creatures so that I continue to have good attacks. But the fact that I can trade in counters for cards later certainly doesn't make this worse. Um, What was the guild mage from... Um gate crash zemek guild mage yeah. or something like that that uh, that this is very similar to that right zemek guild mage put a plus one plus one counter on creatures when they entered the battlefield if you paid mana and then you got to remove plus one plus one counters to draw a card that was i really liked that card and i drew a lot of cards off of that card but that's also because you had evolve and you had a lot of creatures with evolve that you were trying to get extra value off of um, when you played other creatures, right? So like evolve eventually got to a point where you weren't getting plus one, plus one counters on it anymore, but you could shrink them, get a card and then get the extra plus one, plus one counter back. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't know. It's like, it's like seven mana. Well, seven mana. Like we, we did five mana for a river hoopo that gained you life. Well, see, the thing here is I don't have to use the counter to take advantage of the counter, right? Like, let's say the board's empty. You have a hill giant. I have this and I attack you and I have four mana up. You can't block. Like, you you just can't, right? If you have a three, four, you still can't block. If you have a four, four, you've got a decision to make. But other than that, you don't. You're just taking the damage. And then I can either use that mana to hit you for one point more if that's what I actually wanted to do. Or I can just cast a four drop. So like that that threat of activation on this card is a pretty big deal. I also imagine that they've got damage based removal and I have this mana up. Like they can't use it until I activate this. 
I'm probably going to do it end of turn. So they'll still have a window to do it. But if they absolutely need to kill something and they're trying to do it right now and I have mana up, they have to wait for me to act first. So I think there's a lot of flexibility here. Yeah, I think you'll draw more cards than you think off of it. You're probably right about that, too. Uh, Last gold uncommon is Sky Terror. Red White for a 2-2 Flying Menace. After staring at this card for an hour and a half on stream, I finally understood that this is basically a 2-2 unblockable for Red White. That's most of what it's doing, which I'm not really sure what Red White wants to be doing. It looked like it was a dinosaur's deck that was ramping to weird payoffs. Mm, there's only the one. I guess this, there's two in Red White. Yeah, there's the the two sh- uh, shaman shaman. Yeah. Um, I'm. I don't know. This is so hard to cast, but like. Did we see a lot of flyers? We kind of saw some flyers, but not too many. There's enough laying around that like there will be a possibility for some people to block this. I, 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 this card by itself, let's evaluate it on its own. Two mana, little hard to cast for a 2-2 Flying Menace is a great card, right? Like this is a way better than a bear with upside. It's got two upsides. The, the only problem I have is I'm not really sure how it fits into the format, but I, I'm sure that there's some red-white aggressive deck. Like, in every Magic format that has had red and white cards, there has been a red-white aggressive deck. That's kind of what those colors do. So I imagine this will slot into it. I'm just, like, it, it, it doesn't really look as good as some of the other gold cards. Um, but if you're just looking to kill people quickly, th- this will pile on the damage. I could see it doing eight points of damage in a game where you cast it on turn two before they can deal with it. Mm-hmm. So as long as you want to be attacking, this guy looks good too. It's a true story. Um, that's pretty much it for the gold cards. Correct. I would feel like we would do this set a disservice if we didn't talk a bit about the existence of the double phase cards. I don't want to go to each one. They're pretty cool for the most part, though. So there's five enchantments, five legendary enchantments that all look for some kind of um, event to happen or trigger to happen in the game, some kind of game state, in which case they flip to a land. And most of them are very cool. Um, there's the Gaia's Cradle, there's the, um, uh, what's the black one? No, not the black one, the blue one. Um, like, look at, look at, uh, draw, basically draw a card, like, uh, Impulse. Um, you know, a repeatable Impulse. Things like that. Um, don't really need to go into too much detail, except the, the fact that they're cool and Wizards keeps knocking it out of the park. Agreed. And then there's I, five. I, I think it's also worth noting very quickly that the good ones are the white one and the red one. The green one is playable. The blue one and the black one are not good for limited. Um, I don't you like the ups like the front side of the black one? Two mana pay two life draw card, repeatable? No. Why do I want to really? do that? Why would you want to draw cards? No, why would I want to pay two mana do nothing, then pay four mana and two life to replace itself, and then pay six mana and four life to have built my own divination? Like I can mm-hmm. get that in blue if I want it. I I think you can keep going on that one. I think I think it's not that's not the point where it's good. I think the point is where you're drawing four, five, six games of six six cards over a long game, and there is enough incidental life gain and life link in this that I think that in the right deck, I think this is a very good card. Okay, like you you don't have to flip it. 
right. as well. None of you these may have flip to be it. flipped, right? Right. The, the land like, is certainly not very good. It's tap, sacrifice a creature, gain some life. Like nobody wants yeah. to do that. I, I I feel like this is asking me to do too much to to build a divination, and that from what I've seen from from black, both of the pairings that go with it are aggressive. One of those pairings also has some life gain. So in that scenario, I could see where this would be playable, but still not knocking it out of the park. It's a card and aggressive deck that doesn't enable attacks, doesn't attack or block by itself, and isn't a removal spell. I'm not sure how much room I have for that sort of thing there, but if there's a home for it, it would be in the black-white vampire deck. Hmm. But I think we could agree the blue one is not good and limited. It, it is an impulse, but it only gets non, uh, non-land, non-creatures. So like that's not much of your deck if you're playing blue. And then the green one, by the time you finally get the guy as cradle, you've kind of already spent enough mana that you should just like just play the gifts of paradise. That was the, the rule for me. When I looked at it, I was like the, the gifts of paradise land before time variant was just better than this. But all all of them are certainly cool. I, for me, I still value the red and white one the most. Sure. Okay. And then the artifacts are also very cool. Uh, your mileage will vary on, on which ones are good and which ones are not. But, um, you know, take a look at them. Don't feel like you have to play them. Some of them are very cool, though. Um, We're pretty much up against the two-hour mark here, so I'd like to kind of just maybe not go into detail on the artifact ones, um, unless there's anything in particular here that you want to talk about. I don't have anything in particular that I want to talk about. Super quickie one. Um, We'll mention that there's a Pirate's Cutlass. I think that you probably want that in your Pirate stack. It's three mana for a uh, plus two, plus one equipment. Uh, Equip two. When you play it, you can attach it to a pirate for free. I think that's pretty good. There's a Mana Rock Pillar of Origins for your dinosaur deck, uh, so be aware of of that if you're going to play dinosaurs in particular. Um, it does not tap for creatures that you do not name, though. Right, so you have to specifically be playing a dinosaur-heavy ramp deck. Most of the ramp payoffs were dinosaurs, so like I'm not going to want Pillar of Origins if I'm playing pirates or something like that, and I probably don't want it to splash, but if I'm ramping, like it's it's got a picture of red and green stuff on it. I think they're aware of what you're supposed to do with this. Is like mm-hmm. cast it, name dinosaurs, cast dinosaurs. I mean, just don't make that mistake. Like you put it in your deck and you have like six dinosaurs to ramp into and the rest of your green cards are like merfolk or something like that. Like just be aware that like, you know, this doesn't help you cast a second mer- merfolk on turn five or something like that or four drop on turn turn three if it's not a dinosaur. Um, don't make mis- that mistake in paper, essentially. Agreed. And then we've last one I wanted to mention is that we've got a fixed pain train. Uh, the sleek schooner is three mana for a four, three vehicle with crew one. This. Oh, look at that. At uncommon. Like you look at this and you're like, Hey, that's kind of neat, but I could probably beat that card. And it's nothing like the five, four trample that killed me over and over and over in Kaladesh. So I, I feel like they actually did fix it. And this is what a reasonable vehicle looks like. There you go. I like the crew one. It's kind of neat. I do too. Um, and then, Front runner for the card that I will never get to draft ever is Vanquisher's Banner. That's good because I don't think it's all that great. So that you'll, your win percentage will probably be improved because you're no, not playing I, with it. Really? Okay. I I I strictly disagree on that one. I think if you have, um, let's say half of your creatures are one tribe, and there's a lot of humans, for example, as well. Um, you know, if you have 16 creatures in your deck and eight of them are 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 the same tribe, um, this I think is a good card. I, I think it's primarily pirates and vampires that actually want it and that you need to be heavily invested in that tribe. In, in other words, like almost all of your creatures there because the value you get at it 
in that this costs five is that you can play a two drop, draw a card and kind of chain drops together, which I, I think is where you're starting to get value from it. Um, I, I think it's going to be good. I don't think it's going to be great. Like I said, I, I don't want it in my dinosaur deck. It's probably okay in Merfolk. There's not quite enough of them from what I've seen to really pull that off. But in Vampires, I think it can truly shine where you've got the token producers. Hmm. I think I would play it in a dinosaur deck for sure. Hmm. Okay. Easily. Because like I think you just played in any tribal deck where you have like enough creatures of the same type. I, I feel like so, the like, pirates and the vampires want to be bigger. And then if you're drawing a card, you can probably play another one in the turn and get some chain value. I don't feel like the dinosaurs really need the anthem. They're just big. No, but you still, if you turn half your creatures into play this creature plus draw a card. Yeah, but I had to spend a card to do it, right? Like the first time I wow. do it, I didn't but really the, get, get anything unless the power and toughness boost matters, which it, it does for the smaller tribes. But like, I mean, like you, you said, you said that before with the black enchantment, right? It's like, well, if I'm if I'm just replacing itself, but it's like, you know, of course, if you're just replacing itself, then it's not great. But if you do it twice, the right, it's that incremental advantage. It's that incremental power. Um, but like if you play this on turn five uh, and in your dinosaur deck and on your your two dinosaurs that are in play are, are one bigger, you know, and then you draw a card off of it next turn with with the next dinosaur you play. I think it's a very good and very easy to set up like, yes, you're not going to get to chain them together in your dinosaur deck like you would the pirate deck. But I think if you first pick this in a draft, for example, you can go any direction with it because it is colorless, right? You And most of the time, I think you will end up with a tribal theme accidentally, right? Like not necessarily doing it. But like I said, if you draft black and white cards with your eyes closed and just say, you know, I'm always going to pick a black or a white card, you'll end up with half vampires. Easy. Um <laughs> Can can you agree that this card goes better in vampires than any of the other tribes? The, let me I'll, just look I'll, at the let, let me look you, at the creature count. I'll, I'll give you let a me. hint. There's a conquistador's helmet on the ground. There's a, a a banner and arrows. The only people we've seen with arrows are the the Spaniard vampires. Wizards there knows are what's up. there are more dinosaurs than vampires. There are more pirates than vampires. So I think it goes. Pirates and dinosaurs, then vampires, then merfolk. Actually, humans might be better than merfolk. The reason I like vampires more in all seriousness is we've got two cards that produce token vampires just on their own. And then we've got a third that's a 3-2 that comes into play with a token, as well as a few other ways to get some vampire tokens. So like any card that's making more than one creature for one card is going to get better with an anthem effect, which is why you see things like Honor of the Pure and uh lingering souls lingering souls is just good on its own but like raise the alarm and honor of the pure when you start playing cube right mm -hmm. because two one ones meh that's okay turn both of you know get plus one plus one to all your creatures it gets significantly better so i, I think this is better in vampires and pretty good in the other tribes and i i still am going to argue that it's not all that great in dinosaurs but you can still play it there i i yeah i think i think it'll be better than that especially it's color like it's it's colorless right like it's I, I know it's five mana. Actually, in green, you can ramp it out, too, if you have um, the Gift of Paradise or the um, the two drop. You certainly can. All right. Or the Enraged Dino. So it might actually you might actually cast it on turn four in green. You might. And then you can uh, block with. Oh, but you could attack. Uh, oh. I, I have an inherent you're, dislike you're for cards that can't attack by it. and block. I, I probably, you're going to get rolled by it. I probably am. And I'm probably still going to first pick it when I open it. I, I think, again, what I'm doing is not disagreeing with you, like, 
is the card bad or good? This is not a world of extremes. You're looking at it and I think seeing the upside and I'm looking at it and probably seeing a worst case scenario for it. And I suspect that the truth about this card lies somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. That's fair. It's probably a good place to leave it. It's it's better in vampires. I want to thank you all for listening. Uh, hopefully you stuck with us for the for the two hours here. It's a bit longer than we normally do, but uh, next week we'll come back with our first impressions. Um, we'll uh, hopefully have done some sealed and some drafts. I will have done my pre-release. Um, so we'll come back with our first impressions of the format and we'll tell you all about how Travis was wrong about Vanquish's banner. Sounds like a plan to me. Um, I'm going to be jamming predominantly sealed. I'm not doing a pre-release in paper, but I will be grinding this most of next week online when it's released there. Uh, so I should have some sealed feedback for you. Perfect. Um, and I will, like I said, I'll be doing a pre-release, so doing a two at a giant. So my experience will be completely different than yours and most people's. Um, but uh, Magic is a is a great game. We can all enjoy it the same. So I look forward to that. Agree. And in the meantime, I I, want to get this out there too. their homework for this week is to go play some Ixalan cards. There you go. That is your that is your homework this week. So go out there. Tell us what cards we were wrong about. Tell us what cards we were right about. uh, What cards overperform for you at your pre-release. We look forward to all your feedback on that. So once again, thanks to face to face games and mana deprived for the host and uh, all the support they give us. And um, you can catch us on the internet. You can catch myself at twitch.tv slash dcivilian and Twitter under the same handle. And Travis, they can catch you at? At Simulin and twitch.tv slash Simulin, S-E-M-U-L-I-N. Perfect. Go out there and have a good pre-release, everyone. And we'll see you online next week. Thanks for listening. Adios.